Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. Here we are for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast, and it certainly was an interesting week head boxhead, and we are now in the final round of the season, heading into the finals. Yeah, controversial weekend, wasn't it? Plenty, uh, plenty said and done, and plenty happening as we um, we roll into this last week, round twenty-five. Plenty of teams resting, so it looks as though it's going to be not a straightforward round of footy, but. You know, with only a couple of spots, I guess, or a couple of positions that can be moved around. Uh, in terms of top four, top eight, obviously we've got the minor premiership battle. We've got that battle for fourth position, and then we've got the battle for eighth position. So there's plenty to be played out. But in terms of actually shuffling around, uh, you know, I think the the minor premiership's been not devalued, but you just teams are now, I guess. Demonstrating quite clearly that it it's not as valuable as winning a grand final, which I think everyone knew anyway. But the Storm and Penrith, uh, I, I think, just want to put themselves in the best position. They're not too concerned about winning that minor premiership. Uh, and then you look at those sides that are fighting out fourth position. Manly probably look, you know, they beat the Cowboys. I think they they'll get that spot, which you think would happen. Uh, Parramatta, I think Parramatta will pull a stack, haven't they? Uh, they've pulled a few. That and then you got the Roosters who are coming running into Canberra, which will be <clears throat> which will be really interesting because I think there's a lot of incentive for the Roosters to win because if the Roosters win and Parramatta get beat, the Roosters can finish in fifth position and play whoever limps into eighth. I think they'd probably rather that than you know potentially having to play uh, you know Newcastle. But so, yeah, there's, <clears throat> there's plenty to be played out. Yep, and with that, let's get into our set of six, six topics, opinions, or anything we want to talk about. I know the big issue is Latrell and Robinson, all that sort of stuff, but because of the note you're on there, I'll jump into tackle one and two, which are basically based around that. Uh, Obviously, not many people saw the result coming from the Melbourne side of things, so we'll start off with the top four, and that is throwing open a possible move there, which we didn't see coming. It looked almost locked in that it was going to be Panthers-Souths and Again, um, you have to see Melbourne losing twice to fall down at that spot. The team they've named this week isn't full strength, but they've still got some spine players and a couple of their forwards in. There's a possibility they still beat the Sharks and hold in first place and more than likely play Manly out of those guys contending for fourth spot. But there's a real possibility here now that if they do lose on the weekend from resting all those players, that uh, they will be playing South Sydney, which would then move Penrith into the minor premiership spot who are obviously in a different phase they've had players out all year 
after the origin period, injuries, suspensions. They've got a couple of rests in there with Fisher-Harris and a couple of guys. Um, they're taking it differently, obviously playing their way into form with all their players in this week. So did not see that coming, but uh, potentially Melbourne South, given the result uh, from the weekend and Panthers versus Manly, you'd guess week one, which two cracker games of football. But I think if you're Melbourne, uh, obviously the result on the weekend is not the greatest, but... If you said to me now with what's happened with South Sydney and then potentially playing Manly, I, I, I'd rather play South week one, to be honest. Yeah, I don't really like picking my opponents in situations like that. I think you just got to perform the best you can this week. You finish where you finish and you play who you play. Mm-hmm. Come finals, it's new ball game. I don't like the preempt draws or play to finish in certain positions. I think you just, you just rip and tear. You, you know, you're going to have to beat everyone now anyway, so... Uh, yeah, I, I think realistically Melbourne will want to win the minor premiership. Right? To go on a 20-game winning streak or 19-game winning streak or whatever it was and not win the minor premiership would be, yeah, a little bit crazy, wouldn't it? Well, but, I, I think at the end uh, of the day, though, if it was to, if it, your focus is the comp and they end up coming up with that, I'm sure. No, 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 I, I get all that. But you, if you said at the start of the year, like not knowing anything, that a team's going to win, what did they win? Was it 20 in a row or 19 in a row? 19. Yeah, 19. 19, right. So if they were going to be 19 in a row, not with the minor premiership, you'd fall over. But it just shows you how top-heavy the comp's been and how, I guess, bottom-heavy the comp's been as well. But, yeah, I'm not one for jostling around in positions. I think this week, if you put yourself in a position where you feel as though the rest is the best thing for you, you rest. If you, know, you feel as though the best thing for you is to, to play your players and build on combos, then... You know, you roll that way as well. I think I heard some talk today um, on the news <clears throat> that they, the NRL are looking at ways to, you know, sort of in future years protect the integrity of this last round. Um, I heard some guys on Channel Nine chatting about it while we're having some dinner before, but it's, it's difficult. Like, if you put yourself in a position, you you've got every right to pick the team you want to pick if that's going to put you in a better position or you feel as though it's going to put you in a better position. So. Yeah, well, that, that's your right. Yeah. I don't think you can tell clubs what they can and can't do. Like That'd be like complaining for TV ratings in the last round that, oh, well, you're the wooden spooner and you've dropped any big-name player you potentially have to play or your kids. Like We want the best players on the field if you've got one yeah. or two marquees or an origin. Like I know it's not as relevant compared to a first-place side canning their whole team and playing a reserve-grade team, but... If they're trying to win a comp, that's what, that's their business. Their business is trying to win comps, not try to appease ratings or fans or anyone for one game of football. Yeah, look, I think the top four, the top four is going to be pretty clear, provided Manly win. It's just going to be who plays who in in those games, and that'll be, as you said, based around what that happens in that Melbourne Cronulla game. I think, I think Melbourne. Are, you think they'd be favourites for that game? We'll talk about that later. Yeah, top four I think is pretty clear cut. Yeah, well I think top four will work out. Um, you know, I, I think again we're not we don't want to preempt, but I can't see Manly not winning that spot. I haven't looked in the order of the games, but I think the Roosters game is before them and the par- uh, sorry. Roosters Raiders is Thursday. Yeah, so the roost the Roosters Storm are- Sharks Storm Sharks is. Storm Sharks is Friday, I think. Yeah, well, for fourth spot more so. Uh, Parramatta, 
like Penrith are full strength. So they, they've already pulled their players. Again, I don't want to preempt anything, but I, I can't see anything but a yeah, Penrith win. Yeah, essentially. I don't, I don't think they will lose. Um, but I also looked at their lineup. They've named pretty much full strength, and there doesn't seem to be a lot of wiggle room there for him to pull anyone late. But if it was all but secured, would you consider resting Turbo or somebody, or do you think he wants to play through as well? Yeah, like he's named a full strength lineup. Like he hasn't really left a lot of movement there, essentially, to say, okay, well, the Roosters result and the Parramatta result. Theoretically, if if Manly want to finish fourth, then you pick the best team. Mm. You leave nothing to to chance, I don't believe. Yeah, but Roosters, Panthers both play before them, so. If Parramatta's lost and the Roosters have oh, lost, okay, yeah, yeah, right. So if they, if they're there anyway, yeah, they could be there before. Yeah, no, if, if you're there anyway, anyone who's got a slight niggle on pull. Yeah, so that's what I was looking at before. The way yeah. he, the way he's named his lineup is as close to possible as his best twenty-one. So there's not a whole lot of room there for sneaky moves. But I looked and thought, well, the main key, and we've all seen it, uh, is Tom Trebojevic. Trebojevic, yeah. without him, things just don't go. So in that sense, with what he's got there, it's probably his best 17 he could name. He's got Paseca and Kepi back in, so they're definitely going to get a run before finals. It's to the point that he's pushed out Sipley and Sirinan, who's obviously only come back recently from injury. He's got Suli, Deloise. So the only real way I can see this working with what he's got here is if he looked and thought, you know what, I want Tom, Daly... Um, you know, one or two of these sort of guys not to play. He could put Garrick on the wing. He could bring Suli in to the centres and push Harper or Parker, uh, you know, into one of those spots. If he pulls Dale, he's yeah. got Dylan Walker yeah, on the no, bench. I don't think you need to worry about how that all goes, but, yeah, there's room there for him to, yeah. to pull. Definitely. But he didn't name it, like, essentially like the other teams did, though, as in, you know, he's got players out and arrested. He looks like he wants to get a run in with his best 17, so... Uh, that might be the case and looking to build on what he's done but yeah I looked at a few of the others and they all seem to have their intentions but potentially them and Penrith given different situations they want to build on their form and keep pushing forward into the finals yeah but move on to that like we said tackle two was the top eight situation it's basically down to a simple scenario right now and again the draw is going to dictate beforehand what the case is and the Gold Coast Titans are hanging on by the absolute skin of their teeth. They have to beat the Warriors and the results before them will be done. So Thursday night, the Raiders, if they beat the Roosters, that puts pressure on the Sharks to have to win. Um, if the Sharks do win, obviously they're locked in and it'll be all cut off for the Gold Coast Titans as it would be um, if the Raiders win because they'll be two away from memory from how the ladder's working. So if one of those teams wins, Gold Coast... The Titans, the Titans are gone if either Raiders or Sharks win. Yeah, and then even if they don't, their for and against is pretty close to the Sharks, but they'd need the Sharks to yeah, lose I think, by... I think we'd have to probably win by 10 to 20, somewhere along there. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think there's a world where all three lose. Yeah. Well, in the situation that, say, the Raiders have lost, um, Cronulla, you know, lose by 10 points, Gold Coast would have to win by 14. Yeah. But if I'm being honest, I think Melbourne's given Sharks the best possible opportunity. They've got more to play for than anybody in the position they're in. And given the fact what they've been through this yeah, year... You can talk about that all you want, but they've just been inconsistent and played poorly all year. 
So I, I don't trust any of those teams. I, none of those teams deserve to finish in that spot. So whoever does will will do it because the others haven't been good enough to take that spot away from them. So. Well, I'll put it this way. I think there's been a lot more drama, injuries and issues around Cronulla and the Raiders club-wise than there has been the Gold Coast. The Gold Coast have just been flat out hot or cold. Um, but yeah, if, if Canberra in particular somehow managed to jag this spot, it would be a miracle given they've still got things going on. Yeah, but a lot of the stuff that's going on there has been self-inflicted. Oh, I'm, I'm not saying it's not self-inflicted, but if they get yeah. to the finals with what they've been through and what they've you know self-caused or divide between between player and club and all, all sorts of things that have been going on, it'd be a borderline a miracle with what they've dealt with. Then you've got the Cronulla situation looked all but written off when they fired their coach a couple of games in, but um, I've heard Hene speak, I think it was yesterday, and saying that taking over and being able to have, you know, basically a crack with the group and implement some things of your own and players buying in, and they've obviously rolled through some guys as well, and Fitzgibbon has been behind the scenes and pretty much said, I'm not going to interrupt, interfere this year. I've you know, talk to you about footy and whatnot, but basically you coach the side. Um, I have to say, given the circumstances and what he took over in that whole environment where it's at, you'd have to say he's done a pretty good job. Yeah, he has, definitely. Because it's not really an easy situation to get only three or four rounds in and be told, all right, this guy's fired. Everything we've just done, worked on, built, structure, culture, direction, principles, what you want to do, that's all out the window right now. Um, you're in charge. You got a heap of guys off contract. You got senior guys there, moving on. Like, yeah, that's certainly not an easy situation to take over. But if you had to pick one of the three, who do you think will land in that spot? I tend to think Cronulla. If Cronulla can get the job done, but I'm also not confident. Um, I've got no idea. I'm not going to pretend like we've got any idea. But uh, I think there's a world where Canberra just Canberra win, and and. Cronulla lose Gold Coast too. I think the Warriors just, just better more consistent than the Gold Coast I, I can't believe the price they put the Gold Coast Titans up at uh, I, I, I tend to think that the bookies will probably shorten the Titans in if they're a chance to win on Sunday I, I'd be shortening the Warriors and I, the Titans just don't have a killer edge like that, that game on Thursday night was there to be won 20 times over they, they just couldn't put it away they throw a stupid pass or make a dumb error or you know not execute at a crucial time so I have I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen with those bottom, bottom three teams and they've all been as yeah incompetent and uh, poor as each other at different stages but they've all also all shown reasons why they probably should be in that eighth position as well but yeah who, who knows Throw some, um, throw it up in the air and see where it lands. I've got no clue. I'd like to be in Canberra's position, though. Just right out, we're playing Thursday, here we go, let's hook in, and then you just let the rest take care of itself. Like, Canberra just need to get out there and win. Uh, I, I, I really I don't like the Titans' position, uh, particularly if they've got to, you know, watch those other two teams lose and then get their head around. You know the mentality about you know how they approach the game because if, if they're out come Sunday, like you're gonna, they're probably going to be loosey goosey. 
like I feel better about them if, if they're out. Like I feel as though they really want to make a statement about why they should should have been there. But that says everything about the club and where the club's at in terms of you know culture and uh, consistent performance. So yeah, yeah, Cronulla, Cronulla, I think are in the box seat firstly because you know we, we both acknowledge that they're a chance to win, but also all three teams are also a chance of, of losing. So. Well, it's a crazy thing when you when you say that Warriors are more consistent than the Titans, and I don't disagree with you. But some of the results the Warriors have had, but that just shows again the inconsistency of Gold Coast as well. But I agree with you. The odds are three dollars. The Warriors are inconsistent, so yeah, three dollars seventy five seems massive odds. But uh, yeah, the Canberra game. I'm similar to you. I think just the, they're more emotionally consistent when it comes to these sort of games where it's. Us against them, Ricky Stewart, this sort of group. But the Roosters, good timing for them considering the horrible situation, which we'll get into next. But they got Morris back in this week to replace Manu. Kieran's back after a week off. Like They need anyone they can get. They've got Lamb starting in the halves again now, which pushes Walker back to the bench, which the other week worked nicely. Egan's... Yeah, they've been next man up all year, though. I, yeah. I, I favour the, the Roosters in that game, but Canberra's got more to play for. Yeah, Egan's pushed back to the bench again. Jared's back in and Crichton's back in. Like there, there's some big also, in. Don't underestimate the Roosters wanting to. The Roosters want to put Canberra out. Oh, 100%. And they'll want to get a good performance in getting those guys back in. Yeah. So Especially after last week. Like, I don't really want to be Canberra running the Roosters this week. No, and I honestly thought that Robinson would consider resting. I know doesn't really have the option because he's got no players left basically but I thought he would have potentially rested anyone he could have but by the looks of it um, he wants Jared yeah that's it that, they have nobody so Jared's having a run Crichton's getting a run under his belt uh, Egan and Walker are back to the bench they got that option there um, so yeah I think in, in their situation if I'm the Raiders you're not going to have it easy that's for sure but that, that one I'm looking forward to out of most because I think the Roosters again looking to get those guys back into shape and, and they'll if that, that they know they know already they can't win the competition but I have no doubt in my mind again just the way they are as a group that club Robinson as a coach they'll be looking towards week one in particular wanting to end somebody's season and then week two they'll throw the kitchen sink at somebody even if they get knocked out so yeah for Canberra danger game for the Cronulla Melbourne hasn't quite given it to them on a silver platter like they would have hoped but no Munster, Welsh, Felice, Jesse, Kenny, Fox, Remus. Like, there's a lot of guys out. I still think there's room there for them to play a bit of Dunst and Drakes. You've got Pappenhausen at the back, Nico and Hughes in the halves. He's got Smith starting and Grant off the bench, as they have had all year. But on the interchange, he has Jackson. And then in the reserves, I see Cooper Johns and Daniel Atkinson. It wouldn't surprise me um, if, you know, they've just named 21 because they have to and late he considers playing... Atkinson on debut on the halves, Cooper and Jacks, etc. Um, but then again, I think for Harry's sake, he hasn't played a lot of football this year. He'll give Cheese that run at nine again. Like Nelson in the front row definitely needs a run. He's had a long period out. Hughes and Nico, I don't know the think the thought process there. Again, maybe just a run. Um, but Pap, of all of them, I, I, I had enough players when I looked at our squad list the other day to rest basically everybody. The one who really needs to have a run regardless is Pappenhausen. Because if he's flat and struggling and not getting himself physically involved and buzzing around the field and not showing you anything before the finals. I think I already think the call is simple, simple enough to make, but I think this is Papenhausen's real, real last chance to make an impression. 
Yeah. yeah. So, there you go. I think Sharks, um, but we'll wait and see for eight spot. But that's tackle one and two, tackle three. The big issue that everyone's been talking about, the fact we've made it to Tuesday, uh, again, always makes it a bit harder when it's been banged on about for days on end. But the incident with... Yeah, let's get, let's get this short and sweet because yeah. it's all I've heard about for four days and I'm sure it's all that everyone's heard about for four days yeah Latrell Mitchell Joey Manu uh, the implications of that I think are the bigger thing for me moving into the finals and the refereeing and the penalties and the standard Robinson Wayne's comments etc uh, plain and simple let's just go back let's just break, break it down and go through it step yeah. by step Latrell first of all agree or disagree with charging I agree yeah I agree okay. and again well first and foremost well, this this is a roundabout thing for me because I had someone asked me at work today. When you're a football player, your your intent when you hit is to hurt. Full stop. Not to yeah, but intent to injure. No, not to injure, but you. So, I, yeah, I, I I do like, and this is this is what sort of got me about Gus's comments on Thursday, where he was sort of saying, "Oh, if you haven't played footy." You don't understand. No, that was I, dumb. I, 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 yeah, but I, I sort of get, I get what he's trying to say, but that, that's not. It doesn't mean jack shit to the people who have never played the game. It's, it's not an, it's not an excuse for shattering yeah, something. Excuse, yeah. I, but, but I sort of, I get where he's going with it. In that, you know, you know the difference between, you know, a guy just trying to go in hard and make a play for his team, and a guy that's trying to take someone out. Like, and. Look, I think for most people, even if you haven't played first grade, you know the difference between that. So, in terms of intent, I, I, don't, I think there was certainly intent there to make a big play and to hurt Joey Manu. I don't think there was a intent there for him to smash into his head like he did and break his, his cheekbone. No. So, but in saying that, that, that's no excuse for the contact. Like, if you're driving at 70 in a 50 zone and you fucking have a prank, you're still alive, like you're still it, negligent. That's Even more. If there was no intent. That's more my so point. I, 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 that's sort of the, the the only real parallel I could I could draw to it. Like you you've broken the law, whether you're really meant to or not. Like you've just put yourself in a position um, for it to go wrong. Yeah, because of how hard he went in. You've just answered that yourself, though. I don't buy into the argument about that he dropped or he moved or he. No, that's bull, that's bullshit. Know, like, the fact is that you lose your technique because you're going too hard. And that was the point I was going to make. If, if, you, if you weren't going as hard, then he wouldn't have lost his technique and wouldn't have cracked him in the head. And if his target zone was just a little bit lower, like, watch, watch our replay at least, you know, 50 to 100 times because it just gets played on fucking loop whenever time you, you turn the telly on. I, I don't believe that Joey Manu's body position dropped at all. So, you know, best case, he was going to hit him in the shoulder. Worst case, you know, once Joey sort of turned his head. Yeah, but the other thing is... It, you know, you hit, you hit him in the head. Like, your target zone also leaves you open to, you know, where you hit him as well. It wasn't a tackle. The hit is... A, he's gone in for just the most violent, fast collision he can possibly make, and there's no excuse for it. If yeah, you're going no to go in... Just a, a collision. No, and that's the point. He went in for a massive collision. I mean, if you're going to go in like that, and all the bullshit about, oh, he dropped, and Dango guy pulled him, and he went a little bit, and he's in a try-scoring situation, I'm like, he's fucking 10 metres out. There's a guy got him covered. There was two other bodies there. He wasn't going to score. It's all good to come across and want to make a big play. 
but like the the way that people described it as if it was the most urgent thing in the world, like it wasn't. But if you're going to come across with that sort of intent and you can't control yourself, which you couldn't, it was going for a full-blooded collision, you've, plain and simple, you fucked up. And when you're going with that sort of intent and you put want to put that sort of you know, heat into a shot and it goes wrong, you pay the price. And it wasn't a tackle. Yeah. It was a straight-up shoulder to the face with a lagging arm afterwards. It was purely a high-speed collision. And, and you basically answered the question before. If you're doing 70 in the 50 zone, you know what you're doing. So if you get caught or you get it wrong, you're going to get in trouble. Yeah, but things, well, my point is, when you do that, there's a reason there's a 50 zone. Exactly. You're more likely to have an accident. And that's, that's exactly what's happened in this situation. Yeah, I'm just not yeah. buying the excuse that people are making for him, saying, oh, it was yeah, a try-scoring yeah, situation. Because people have heard all this shit. Let's, let's move on in terms of... Now, I, I then thought the way that the lack of regret, the lack of remorse that Latrell showed was why people have been so outraged. I don't think it's so much the hit itself. Like, the hit itself was bad. But, you know, I think right up and he was really apologetic. Um, I don't think he would have got any less of a suspension, but there would have been less outrage. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not... The way he got up and then sort of said, fuck off and argued, and then when he came back out on the field, this is the one where I can tell you as, as, as an ex-player, that when, when he threw the ball down at Fletcher Baker after he scored, I, I know at least a handful of blokes I used to play with at a, at a decent level that just, it would have been on based on that because when you're on the field it's a it's an ego game it's a it's an alpha game it's a you know blokes competing when you throw a ball down near someone's head while they're on the ground it just would have been on for for young and old so I think the restraint that the rooster showed in that situation uh, and you know I know a few of them sort of went after Luttrell after that incident um but, I, you know, I, I started to think of what would have happened if Radley or Maria Hargreaves were on the field when that happened. Um, but I, I just think a lot of the backlash for Latrell has been because he sort of doubled down on it by telling Joey to fuck off, basically, when he when he came over. And, you know, that was horrendous to see Joey Manu basically go over and say, why did you do that? Like, and then for Latrell just to sort of double down and say, piss off. And then the way he came back onto the field... Uh, well, but I think the understated thing here is how it was officiated. Like I think the way it was officiated, the fact that Latrell got to come back onto the field caused more outrage, and that issue is solved if we get the call right at the time and he's just sent off straight away. He doesn't come back onto the field. He doesn't then score the try. He doesn't throw the ball. He's not then, you know, arguing with Roosters players after the game. He's not then having a confrontation with... Jarabria Hargreaves so I think it all comes back to how poorly it was handled post that collision by you know I don't know Robinson went over it in his press conference but you know whether it was Perinara or Klein or the touch judges or it, it doesn't matter who specifically is to blame I think they're all to blame and the system is to blame and the fact that they couldn't get their heads together and see what everyone else saw within 30 seconds to a minute that it was a clear send off and that was probably the only people in the NRL world watching that game that thought that 10 minutes was suffice for that incident. Hmm. And the other thing, uh, people go, oh, you didn't see it. And I said, well, live you didn't see it because the camera's still following the play. But the bunker's there for that reason, and they've reviewed the incident, and you could see his face. It should have been clear-cut no-brainer. It shouldn't have taken Manu 
to have to stand. Like, after 30, 30, to, 30 seconds to a minute, we'd seen it three or four times. It was clear. It was very clear. And that's the thing. Like, you could go, I saw a lot of people going, oh, you know, 10's enough. I'm like, fucking, you can get 10 for just laying in the ruck or a professional foul. If you're just so going to say. Two blokes at the end of the game, Gagai and who was the other one for the Roosters? Mate, the Gagai one should have been a send off. You want to talk about referees and we took that at that level. And this is a point I was going to make as well. I know a lot of people last week. And again, South fans will probably bark at me here and get angry about it. But you talk about, well, we're the most disciplined team in the comp in terms of penalties. I don't think as a group, when the pressure goes on, in particular on those big games or those moments, they have good emotional discipline. I think they get more emotional, a few of those guys in particular, than most teams. And if anything, for the back end of that game, again, like the few Roosters guys that were heightened in emotion, in particular Marshke, were guys that were in that 20s team with Luttrell. So they're all friends. So it was highly emotional for them. But I still felt like it almost seemed like the wrong had been done to South for the last 20 minutes. They were more aggravated and emotional. And like when Cody Walker locked in Sam Walker and Satili like pushed to get one of them off and then Gagai, the way he carried on, like the way the emotions were, I'm like South's are the team that it almost seems like they feel like they're the one who lost the player or something the wrong was done to them. I'm like, I can't believe the Roosters haven't spilled over more. So... In that sense, yes, you can throw yeah, numbers. What, what I'm saying is the crime didn't match the punishment. Like, no, it's a send-off. So did Gagai and Supernaut. Like, like, that's ridiculous. And again, Kobe Hetherington had a bloke fall into his shoulder, and we've had other ones that we've seen yeah. that are send-offs. Yeah, but I, I don't like comparing them because we know we get in that rabbit hole, and it, we can just agree that there's no consistency. Yeah. There's zero consistency. If you want to compare send-offs this year, like, it's like trying to paint against the wall. You, no idea. Well, this is the bigger thing as well. We've been talking the last 10 weeks. We went from if you fucking sneezed on somebody, you got put yeah. in the bin, you got fined, you got suspended, and then it just died. Like, you, we've seen plenty of head highs and hits the last few weeks, and everyone's been going, well, the crackdown's over. But now we have this moment one week from the finals, and I think the bigger implication here now is we, and we saw it for the rest of the round was... Lots of people going on report. Everything was getting penalised. We saw a few sin bins, and it's going to have a, an impact on the finals. I think someone else is going to lose a player, and we're unfortunately probably going to talk about during the finals a team being disadvantaged from a, a, a suspension or, or a sin bin or a send-off as a result of this, and it, it shouldn't have been the case. They should have just been consistent with the rule they brought in at Magic Round, which they weren't. That, that's that's the thing that worries me more than anything. But it's, it's not that. Like, it's the process around how the incident was dealt with. If it's the trouble come here, you separate the sides, you let them simmer down. Um, you know, Klein was sort of trying to officiate while also trying to separate the teams. He just lost control of that game. The first thing Klein needed to do was call a timeout, fucking separate the teams. Yeah. Get both captains in. So go over there. You sort, you sort your two sides out. Get one touchy with one team, one touchy with the other team until you've got control of the situation. While that happens, you're given the bunker time to look at that. And, you know, I, I still don't have faith that they would have got it right, but we're talking about what's best practice, what's best process. Yeah. He, he then could have had a conversation with his touchies, spoken to the bunker, and you would hope then that they could have just sent Latrell off there would have no no doubt of being outraged. It was always going to be outraged because of, you know, what physically had happened to Joey Manu and then, you know, the fact that they'd sort of come to loggerheads and Latrell didn't show a lot of more. So that, that, that was always going to be there irrespective of how it was officiated. But I, I just, I'm dumbfounded as to how the rest of it happened. 
all the all the afters and, and you know the second coming of Latrell once he came back on after he was sent in it, it just should never have it should never have happened so I think it's really blown it out of proportion because we just didn't deal with it and sent him off to start with and I think that comes back to best practice and, and the process with our referees so what, what I really do think the referees need, the, the referees need to do two things during the final series number one is that they need to stay out of the way of games they need to try not to get involved in games and over officiate because I just feel like at, at times it, it's like they have to give a six again or they have to give a penalty they have to become involved you, you don't have to become involved your job is to ensure that the match is fair for both teams if that's happening stay the fuck out of it and let the players decide it but when there is a big issue they really need to take a breath like I, everything everything in our vernacular and everything in our vocabulary this year in rugby league is, is all about doing things fast we want everything faster we want everything done quicker but when they come to big decisions like these and big decisions that are going to happen in the future, I don't, I really don't care whether they take two or three minutes as long as they get them right. There's enough fatigue in the game. It doesn't take long now. You know, it takes probably two to three minutes to get the fatigue back into the legs once play restarts. I just really think that when big incidents happen, the referees really need to make sure that there's process there and that they're calm and they take their time. Yeah, because I, I really do think that that's where we're getting ourselves into into trouble. It, it, particularly, the officials are getting themselves into trouble. One, by they're just over involvement, and two, they're trying to rush decisions, and they're, they're bored into that. Everything's got to be fast. Look, it, it it doesn't have to be fast. No, it, we need to get it right. Yeah. Well, um, I guess you've pretty much hit most things. I would. Into Robinson, I, I agree with everything Robinson said. But, yeah. You know, does he deserve his fines? Yeah, he does because you can't you can't have coaches getting in the in the post game and bagging the shit out yeah. of. At, at the same time, I don't get all that. I yeah. think it was money well spent. Hundred percent. There's no there's no other way apart from saying what he said to get his message across. Well, you can't. If he went then went and said that to a journal, it was printed. He, he'd still get the same exactly um, sort of fine. So it, it needed to be said. To say he's had to pay that price, which I think is, you know, well, whatever. But I, I think he had to say it for Joey Marlowe's sake. Well, I think where, just in general, though. That, and I think that was the biggest point that he made. Like, where's, where's the game and where's the NRL in terms of protecting Joey Marley? Like, it's horrendous that he sort of had to get up and defend himself. Mm, but it, the, the it, game didn't get stopped and he wasn't able to... Like, it sort of got, got to the point you could see him feeling his face going, like, fuck, my... My face is caved in. And then you could see him, he was really shocked and emotional, saying, well, what, why did you do that? And then it sort of sunk in and it got really aggressive, particularly once, as I said before, that Latrell showed no remorse. But it just... It was a really, really bad look um, for, for people who are, I guess, part-time fans of our game. And again, like, if we just got the process right and he, he got sent off and you felt like there was justice on the field... But you, you don't really feel as though there's justice when he comes back out there. He that would be dominant and um, you know score a try and slam a ball down and be aggressive and well, sort of double down on on the behaviour. The, the other point in hindsight for me, if I'm Wayne Bennett, I wouldn't have put him back on. Yeah, and I agree with that. I, 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 totally uh, I, I think for that. his own sake, with a, a mate, I was we were doing a Zoom and having a few beers when it was happening, and um, a good mate of mine said that. 
Yeah. yeah. There's fucking no way that Wayne Bennett should put him back on the field. Well, I'll, I was watching it with our... That shouldn't also be Wayne Bennett's decision. That should have been taken out of Wayne Bennett's hands. No, and that's the point. I sat there with our old man, obviously, watching it and said, look, like, he already knows he's going to get suspended. I'll probably get the thing that's his last chance to play for the rest of the year. But I'm more looking at we're going into finals. We're still going to be in the finals. Other people are off collar and over-emotional as well, which carried on further. The best thing I could probably do right here is just not put him back on the field. And they'll, you know, in, in that situation, if, you know, oh, there, there might have been a couple of others I would have looked at once things were a bit more comfortable and under control. But, yeah, yeah I just looked at the whole thing and thought if, if I was Wayne, there's probably a couple of guys I would have looked at getting off the field um, once it was yeah. well and truly, um, you know, put put out of put in doubt like the result that is but yeah I yeah, I think the other part I've sort of lost me trying to bloody thought here but I think the way he spoke and okay people are like oh it was all about the roosters and this that the other and it was all but I'm like well if you have multiple things go against you that you feel you know you're still not getting justice for like that that was my thing he didn't go in and just rant and rave like he it was well thought out he had everything there he got it all off his chest and I have no doubt that the club's paying the fine like, he's not worried about the fine but the, the message was plain and simple. Like, part of it was, yes, it's a little bit about us. And, yes, but the main thing, like you said, was about the game. Like, you fucking come out and took a stand. You made these rules. You said these things. We've got the bunker. We've got, like, all, all the all the aspects all around it. The review system, the bunker, the refereeing, the match review committee, uh, the result of all these things, player protection. And it was just, it was, he hit the nail on the head in every circumstance. And, again, it was justice is coming after because for the rest of the round we saw all those rules applied again and those implications come in and I also don't buy people saying oh if it wasn't for that rant and raven and him not getting sent if he would have got sent he wouldn't have got suspended for as long well that's bullshit because this is the only case where I like priors loading up on you because if you have multiple priors in the same season you do deserve to be punished because you're clearly not getting the message so I, I, I don't think the send-off or the sin made a difference to his suspension. It was reckless. He, he deserved to get hammered. And some people, I, I've even read, some people are unhappy that he was still able to get the option to take the guilty plea and get a discount of three games. Like, you know, that, that's a different argument altogether. But that this is the one situation where I do like loading. I don't think it should carry over to next year and have carryover and loading in priors. I, don't, I like it being only within the season. But this is the one scenario where you look at loading and repeat offences and go, you're not getting the fucking message. Yeah, I, I still don't like loading. And I've like got, give him four weeks to fill out for the year anyway. Yeah, well, I, I think it deserved what it got. I think the base penalty for this is 500 points and then the extra is on top. And, and again, like if you get a guilty play, you would have got less. Like to me, I sat there going, in any scenario, he shouldn't play again this year. Even if that to play the whole way through, so he needs five yeah, games. So I, don't, I don't think you can adjudicate your judiciary like that. No, I know, but a guilty plea—if it was five hundred, it could have got him, you know, four games, and they would have had to go the long way to get to the grand final, etc. But yeah. I was pretty much sitting there going, "If given the circumstances, yeah, until grand final day, so yeah, given the circumstances, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't buy into that. I, I just think, look, like, give him the give him the punishment that fits the crime. Yeah. So, and another and then, thing, you know, you serve you serve the relevant amount of weeks for that. I thought that crime. That's sort of where I'm at with the judiciary. I, yeah, I, I sort of lean a different way on. When I when I first heard all the, the talk, like I thought the tackle was careless, <clears throat> um, because I thought that a reckless tackle meant that there was in, intent 
So I, I, I still don't think there was intent for, the, for that tackle to go that badly wrong. Like I, I believe it was a, an accident. But who bears the responsibility for the accident? That's Latrell. Like I've got no no issues with that. And, and by no means am I defending him. Um, but I, I just didn't I, I didn't think that he deserved the charge, which would have said that he deliberately went in to try and injure Joey Manu. So if if reckless is the highest end of non-intentional contact, in, in that it's reckless behaviour, like we said before, you've you're doing things that are going to place yourself and others at a higher risk of injury, then I'm, I'm completely comfortable with, with the grading of the charge. But I just think, again, like we could be far more clear-cut with how we charge charge things at the judiciary. Yeah, I, I think... I'm not sure what a grade three... Like, what did he get charged with? Grade three reckless? No, it was grade two. But even in here, in the in the definition, grade two. So, like, to me, that's just that's the high that that's the highest end of careless for me. No, I, I thought it was reckless. He's got no care for he's got no care for you know his own safety or the safety of the player. Yeah, careless is like oh, it's a lazy a lazy arm or something. Like reckless is like with full blown intent. So it says here, reckless high yeah. tackle means misconduct on the part of a player constituted by when he is affecting or attempting to affect a tackle, making contact with the head or neck of an opponent recklessly. I, I'd say that fits the bill. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Like, you should have been with the My point more is that like, we could just make that process far more. Yeah, I, I didn't think that was careless intent. I almost, think, I almost feel like we could just graze on the run. Like, the... The bunker, or like a fucker, you wouldn't want to give it to the bunker. No, 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 no. There'd be people, whoever's watching from a judiciary perspective would be able to grade that straight away, you'd think, if, if the system was fairly simple. Well, and then um, you could have discussions and pretty much predict what he was going to get anyway. Yeah, I think. But I just feel like, again, we just throw our fucking throw things up in the air and to judiciary or. But I think the general consensus was everyone was sort of saying, we can't play again this year. And my thought was, hey, hang on a minute. Like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You can't just give him a certain amount of weeks to rule him out for the rest of the year. Like, he needs to get the punishment that fits the crime. So, yeah, I, I think most people have, have been happy happy with the with the punishment or not happy, but feel as unfit. Yeah. And I didn't mean as in purposely come up with a week. So, I mean, the charge fits the bill. Like, the charge I thought was going to be high enough to take no, him out. I'm not saying you, I'm saying other people. Yeah, I know. But that's what I'm getting. A lot of commentary was like, we can't play again this year. It's like, well, fuck it, hang on a minute. Uh, yeah, it's just a ridiculous way to, to try and justify. Like, if it's a month earlier, you know, in round 20 or whatever, people aren't going, we can't play for the rest of the year. They would have been saying, well, the argument would have then been, we can't play the finals, you know? Well, I yeah, think. I just think there's a lot of, a lot of um, irresponsible and emotional commentary around the issue, hmm. which I think has probably affected. Latrell, like I, he hasn't handled things like this well in the past, and I, I do feel for him that he's in the the public limelight, and I do love him as a player. I love watching him play, but uh, he, yeah, he he's done the, he's done the crime. He now has to do the time. It's as simple as that. I, I just feel now like they let's just let it lay and, and move on, and 
it's yeah, terrible for South's premiership chances. It's you know just another blow for the Roosters. But well, the other thing as well, and I've said this before, yeah. I, I never want to see someone change their aggression. I love his aggression, but he needs to control it. He gets too emotional. And he has yeah. periods there where he goes over the edge, or you can see it's like everything. Yeah, like, if you want to talk about consistency around charges, like he broke AJ Brimson's jaw with a forearm. That was sort of elbow a couple of weeks. No, that was a back. Like it was, that was a kick, wasn't it? No, he, he sort of um, he, he had the ball and sort of stuck his. I think it was his right arm out and hit Brimson in the jaw. I thought it was an accidental kick so, in the ruck when he was trying to get back up. Which was, yeah, no, see, I thought it was. I thought it was from the, the elbow the forearm. Yeah, I didn't even really watch yeah, that game. Look, you go to the Nofaluma one. That was like an elbow forearm. Hmm. Well, Nofaluma. Yeah, you know, the kick on Gardner. There's a whole heap. Well, plain and simple, like I said, don't change your aggression, but you have to channel it correctly because otherwise you keep finding yourself. And again, like the way you got your city reacted afterwards, he took it personally. I'm like, you're the one who's just smashed your mate's face, like. I understand it's all emotional and there's heat around it, but like you said, the way he sort of acted in the moment, everything's really personal when he's playing. And he, I love that he's got a chip on his shoulder, but there's aggression and then there's controlled aggression, and he needs to sort it out because yeah, I think that that some South have got all the talent in the world. They've got enough talent to win the comp, no doubt about it. Mm. But they don't have the leadership, they don't have the composure. No, and that's what I'm and getting. They at. don't have the resilience in tough periods. People were offended. Overcome. Were last week. And they will be offended again. Parts or periods in the game where they, you know, that, that burn gets put on them. Mm. And like I said, people were offended. In, in my opinion, and I'm only, I'm only judging, I'm only based on what I see. Mm. People were offended last week. So, I don't know, dog in the fight. I don't go from Melbourne, Penrith, or South. Like, I, it doesn't worry me who wins or who loses. But, yeah, I just, I just feel as though Melbourne and Penrith in those scenarios would, you know, they have players there stand up and take control of the team. And the team would not lose their composure. Yeah, like I said before, I don't think their emotional discipline's great. You can tell me that they've got the least amount of penalties, but you don't get penalised when you're beating average teams by 50 points. The fact of the matter is, the three or four times they've been in crunch games, they've boiled over, they've lost, they've got emotional, they've got penalised. They need to be better in high-pressure situations. And I love that emotion. I love people playing on there. It's like Cody Walker. I love Cody Walker as well, but same deal. I think at times he gets over... Emotional and loses his discipline, and he overplays his hand, or he's over aggressive. And they've got multiple guys like that. Gagai's reaction to the referee, um, like I said, it was as though the wrong had happened to them. Like the the wrong had happened on the other side. And yeah, I think summing things up in the end, I'm not going to go through all Robinson's comments, but I thought it was all spot on. People said, "What about Wayne Bennett?" So I thought Wayne Bennett pretty much summed up himself when he said it's before the judiciary and he pretty much highlighted that he definitely knew he wasn't going to happen for the rest of the year. So I don't think he disagrees that, you know, it was inevitable. Or, and the other, the only side of it, I guess, is he threw back or Trent should look in his own backyard. He's got a couple of players like that. I'm like, that's all well and good. But, you know, the result of... Yeah, that's fine. But the result of the tackle, I, I can't remember, you know, that sense of things for a couple of those guys. I think he was just more saying from the action of what happened on the night. Um, but yeah, he wasn't wasn't saying a whole lot and probably rightfully so, but we'll leave that one behind. Um, yeah, I think the other thing to come out of this would be interesting to see what happens with the refereeing and that whole process in the off-season because like we said, while they're talking about rule changes and plenty of other things that they should stop fucking around with, they need to put a real focus on the match review committee, charges, load... Like they need to... The match review, the penalty system... The refereeing, the bunker—they should put all their focus into sorting that shit out. 
because that just needs to be a lot more clear cut and a lot more consistent for next year. And this rule during the week that was brought up by like Wayne Pierce, like God bless him, you're a hell of a player and you've probably done a lot of good things for the game off the field. But to say that oh, if you kick the ball out in general play now, you know that's something we're looking at to speed the game up. Like I haven't heard anything any more fucking stupid in my life. Like, what what you want to take away every single aspect of rugby league that has to do with building pressure, grinding, cycling, you know, like, honestly, what, what, what the fuck are we trying to do? Yeah. There's more important things ridiculous. than we're trying to bring up a rule it's like that. Ridiculous. Oh. It's ridiculous for talking about it. It's ridiculous to say it's, someone's actually going to consider it. Honestly, I, honestly, when I heard that, I'm like, you can't even get all these other things right and you're looking to bring in another rule change It completely damages the fabric of the game. Are we kidding? Yeah. Fucking sort out some of the issues you've got Someone before. Needs to just hit the rewind button. That's what we need to do. Mm. We need to pause the rule changes and focus on some of these other issues we've got. That's for sure. We need to rewind fucking mm. rule changes. But uh, moving on from that, tackle three. Got a couple more here. Tackle four. The Eels result, I guess, in summary, big result for them. Uh, been flat for a while. On both sides here, Melbourne. Uh, I guess a little bit of relief. The streaks over, all the talk about that sort of disappears, but a little bit of worry. Concerning, yeah. You don't think it was... And again, I'm not trying to make excuses, but a lot of people have spoken in the past, ex-players, this and that, about heavy training load, you know, getting yeah. stuck into them, being a bit flat this time of the year to try and peak for the finals. I'm, I can't defend what I saw on the weekend, but yeah, I... Yeah, I, I don't like this. I don't, I don't, I don't like this, okay? i tell you what I don't like. The people start to jump up and down about a result, not performance. Their performance hasn't been up to scratch for at least a month. So Craig Bellamy would have been concerned prior to this. Like, this isn't new news to Craig Bellamy. The result, I guess, was a shock because he would have hoped, you know, particularly for, you know, I know he said Kafusi is the record and all that stuff, right? But it's the performance that he's concerned about. You can't, you can't just allow results to determine how you're coaching your behaviour and what you're going to make players accountable to. It's the performance. And, you know, their, their performance has been below par. And, yeah, I would put that down to physicality and the training load. Um, I, I've just got... Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I look at Penrith right now and I, I probably want to have more money on Penrith, not Melbourne, right, right at this second. And I think... That, the, that part is not so much based on what happened on the weekend. It's more around the fact that I, I see Penrith getting healthier and I, I see Melbourne have got concerns both from an injury selection perspective. You've got players that are only just returning now who you know are going to need probably a week or two to get up to speed. You've got suspension concerns. Look, there's just a few things there that um, are creeping in. That, that's not to say that Melbourne can't win it. I I still think they're clearly the best two teams. Yeah, I, I, my only thing, like I said, it, they've done it in the past, and I'm not saying that's the reason why, but I, there were some moments there where I was like, my God, they just look flat as a tap. And I, I can't just suddenly put that down. You don't win 19 games in a row regardless of how you've performed, some good, some bad, and the last few weeks inconsistent for no reason. So I thought there was a little bit of overreaction. Everyone's saying they're done, they're cooked, they've won the 19. Like, I wasn't going that far. I was more concerned around they look really flat. Um, and also the decisions around the squad moving forward. Like, I think the hooker situation on the weekend was more just a trial run because Finucane wasn't there to play Harry, give him some more time, have Breen, and I have no doubt that Breen's going to be the starting nine, Harry off the bench, etc. 
But the Pappenhausen, Nico Hines thing is a real concern, and not because Pappenhausen's not a good player, but he's clearly still carrying some scar tissue from what's happened. He doesn't look anywhere near as confident, sprightly. He's not hitting holes with confidence. Like, like last year and the year before, he had no care factor for his body physically. He was not scared to get involved in any of those contests. And on the weekend, there was half opportunities where he didn't quite burst through. There was times where it was a set line and he, he drifted across field like a touch football player just looking to get rid of the football. He's just not been himself. And plain and simple, I said it a few weeks ago, I'll stick with it again. The hot hand is Nico, in particular the combination he had going with Hughes. You've got Pappenhausen signed long-term, so his job's not under threat. You know Nico's leaving. If it's the best thing for the team and to win the competition, well, unfortunately, Pappenhausen either doesn't play for the rest of the year or you trial him off the bench. But that's also a question on what they want out of their forward pack. They clearly feel with Welch and Bromwich they get long minutes so they can carry Tui and Nelson, and they've got the versatility in Brandon Smith to cover for that third forward and maybe carry a Pappenhausen and another, you know, sort of utility. Um, well, you can't because you've got Harry Grant there, sorry. And you could maybe have Nico or Pap on the bench, but that, that's a decision I'm more looking at going they need to make in the next few weeks. And now that Fox is potentially injured, that gives him another stress because, you know, Eremiah, why solid, um, and Jennings is back, named back this week, which is good. It took a little bit of time just for Jennings and Remus to tighten up defensively. And that, that's been my main worry when Jennings has been in and out the last few weeks. doesn't seem like a huge player, but if you look closely when he's not there, defensively that edge isn't the same because they've built combinations and trust with each other. So if you take out both your wingers and you've got an iffy situation there and you're still tampering with your spine, I think you've got concerns defensively, you've got concerns with your back three, you've got concerns with your link play between your spine. There's still a few questions there that worry me. So, yeah, I think for Melbourne there's still some question marks and I'm... I'm not going to really judge a whole lot off this week who they've pulled, but week one I'm, I'm expecting a, a big performance, and if I don't see that, I'll be I'll be very worried. Yeah. Um, on Parramatta side of things, huge result purely on the they fact were that they were, yeah, full of full of running. Well, more than anything, they built their game on what we saw on the weekend, the simple stuff, and it, it felt yeah, like for middles, a, their middles, their middles have back being really dominant. Like, say, say what you want about Parramatta, right? Like. They, People were sort of, oh, like I didn't see that coming from Parramatta, or, oh, geez, where's that been, Parramatta? Like, Parramatta play their best footy when their middle their middle has to win the middle of the field, simple as that. You know, like, you can, you can cut it out of the way you want, you can overanalyze it, but, you know, Junior Paulo and Isaiah Papali just fucking won the middle. Mm. Nathan Brown, there was a huge spike in his performance. 100%, he's been dreadful. Um, I, I like Lussick, like, I think he's been really really good in the time where he's filled in those four just laid a really solid platform and you look, you look at their tries like it wasn't it wasn't anything special you know a couple of short side plays short passing but it was just winning rucks playing numbers and, and most kicked pretty well um, I, I thought most of their key position players got into that run first mentality like that, and they, they defended really well Paramount and their discipline is good. Well, it's, it's not a it's not a complex formula for Parramatta. No, I think you know, they, they play their best footy when they're they're physical. They win the middle. They play direct, and they they pass short. In, in my belief, mm, and I think so. To rest the to rest those players is a good idea. You rest them all, and you know realistically you're not probably not going to finish top four. So hit pause and. 
Brad Arthur and the Eels are going to be judged on what they do, you know, right at week one of the finals. Mm. You know, I think probably the, one of the more simpler parts of the game, and a lot of people in here, sometimes you get an inbox or saying, asking the question, what does that mean? Simplest thing for me with Parramatta was just play one, two, both sides of the ball. They won play one, two defensively, and they killed Melbourne's set starts. They really troubled their back three, and they won play one, two when they had the football. They rolled, and Melbourne couldn't stop them. And off the back of that, it was simple football. It wasn't a shift for the sake of shifting the things we've talked about where they're just playing shit sideways football. They just jumped on the back of that roll-on, and they just kept powering through Melbourne. Short chain passing, Roll through the middle. The stuff with the edges wasn't complicated and long and pre-line. It was just playing into space that they generated from putting a dent in Melbourne. And I also like the fact... It's been a couple of weeks now, but it worked paid off the other night when they rolled forward. I like the fact that Brown went back to the left where he was so good the year before, which they changed for Moses' benefit. And I was kind of like, well, if it's working for one half and you consider the other guy an origin player and your key position player and this, that, and the other, you shouldn't have to change fucking edges for him. Like he should be on the ball, playing the middle, dominating, linking both sides, not having to, oh, well, I need to be on this edge because maybe those guys work better with me, etc. Like that, that I never quite understood, but um, all around, good job from their forward pack. One play, one two, freed up for their halves. Everyone did great. Ferguson, his introduction, brought some energy from the backfield. I think Penasini in particular, centre's been an issue defensively. He did an awesome job the other night on Ola. He, he looks a real player. But, um, yeah, moving off those two, tackle five. One of, It's only really started to emerge, but the details around this Payne Haas situation, I don't know if you've seen it, are very concerning. No, I haven't, I haven't seen it. Well, I think... Um, I, he, I've heard that he's got... Well, he wants more money, but I haven't, I haven't heard the finer, intricate de- details around it because well, I hate these type of stories. I hate agitation. I hate... Play signing deals and then wanting more money when they've signed the deal. So well, they I don't deal. like it in this sense of you've employed a manager, the manager's done the job for you. you you've also, at the same time, like this information about, oh, well, this guy got this and this guy, like, that, he already knew that. You can't just say, oh, well, I only just found out now. Like, come on. You know, talking about Lodge's deal and Pangai's deal and these guys are getting this sort of money. On the flip side of that, though, you've also had a couple of off-field things. How many, how many of them are? How many of them are still at the club? Exactly, they're all gone. But and I get he's probably he's worth more than what he's on, hundred percent. But don't sign the deal, or don't let your manager do the deal. And part of it as well is he had an off-season in- incident with the police and got a massive fine, and the club took care of that, and they did a new deal as well. So six months on, um, if you're agitating, that's one thing. But to look at it now and go, well, look at how I'm playing. Six months on, well. You, you kind of know the trajectory you're heading on. You've had nothing but raps on you the last couple of years. Don't lock yourself in there. Yeah. But now it's, you know, it's not really an issue with Brisbane, but Brisbane's trying to negotiate. Now the manager, who's Chris Orr, is obviously he's trying to separate from him and put, push on the other side of things. Like, there's only one way out of a contract with a manager, unfortunately, because you've got the deal signed. He's getting 7% for the next couple of years, whether you like it or not. So if he's really that off his manager, he's going to have to pay him... 7% for the remaining years and then he can redo this deal if he wants to if Brisbane are willing to come to the table which it seems like they are but then the other side of it they're talking like the manager you know is pushing for this long term massive deal that we've heard about because on that side of things if he makes him happy enough well then that might solve everything and he still gets to collect his 7% but at the end of the day you employ someone to do a job they do a job for you you can't change and move the goalposts six months later if you weren't happy with it at the time or you thought your ceiling was going to grow 
should have put more triggers in it, should have had options, shouldn't have signed for as long. Like This is as much on the player as it is his manager and all the club. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, and la- I just hate abs. It's the part of the game that just really frustrates me. Oh, it kills me because everyone's going, oh, we don't, we don't want to lose him and this, that. It's like, well, you can't just... Be, like, if every 12 months someone walked in and did that, like, at some point you'd just be like, fucking leave. Like, yeah. You can't keep moving the goalposts. Um, and if, if you don't like it, don't sign the deal. Yeah. Or again, short term it or have options or triggers, something to be able to renegotiate. But can't extend six months ago up until 2024 and now suddenly go, well, fuck, I'm killing it. I'm the best prop in the game. But you're already on that trajectory. You should have either asked for more originally, regardless of the off-season incident, or signed shorter term. Um, and the last one to finish off, we don't need to spend a lot of time because we've talked about it in the last few weeks with a lot going on, but the Bulldogs today confirming 12 players moving on. So hefty clean-out happening there um, and only touching on it since last week. The Adam Elliott incident, there's been a little bit more emerge. Apparently he was shirtless, so God knows where it was trying to escalate, escalate to in the bathroom when he got kicked out but again I still don't think it's the worst crime in the world I'm not defending what he's done but let's be honest it's not but they're going to pay 100% and, and the reason why is because he's want to get out of the contract that's right he's put himself in this position it's it's not the biggest crime of the century but the fact he's got multiple incidents that they've now got him bent over a barrel basically it's not just going to be the $10,000 fine it's, it's going to be a way to free up salary cap space and I, I laughed already at the fact that his managers come out and made such a comment because I think he can see the writing on the wall yeah. that realistically no it's not really a fireable thing but he's put himself in this position they're under cap pressure Gus has just come into the club they're trying to make moves he's probably going to be a, a victim purely on that more so than the incident itself because it's certainly not the worst crime in the world but um, huge clean up we knew, we knew of guys that were already leaving because they'd signed elsewhere, but for the most part, anyone that was sort of fringe depth or uh, younger or an older guy there in a couple of big contracts, they're all gone. They've got five or six coming in next year. With those guys departing, there's there's going to be a lot more movement still for the Bulldogs. Yeah. So, yeah, there will be. There's going to be a heap going on there. Yeah. But you'll see a lot more this week when they, um, when they finish and their mind goes on to next year. Yeah, 100%. Well, that wraps us up for the set of six. Let's jump into our power rankings brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. And on that note, if you want to know what is worse than seeing your team cop the wooden spoon this season, it's getting slapped with a rising power bill that puts you more on edge than an origin decider. Penrith Solar Centre are Western Sydney's leading solar specialist who help local families take control over their bills. Let the sun work for you, your home, and your back pocket. Contact them today on 1800 20 2930 or visit the website www.penrithsolar.com.au and they can make you the real winner this season. Power rankings, Brock, final time because obviously for the final there's no point. Number one, I've still got the Storm. Uh, I know they lost, but off the back of 19 wins and chops and changes with injury, suspension, origin this year, um, I've still got them number one. I've flipped them. I've got the Panthers at one. Yep. I've got the Storm at two. Well, I've got... Penrith at number two, but I can totally understand your, your thought process there. Yeah, I'm just feeling better about feeling better about uh, yeah the, the Panthers right at this point in time. Yep. Uh, number three, I was tempted to flip Manly in there, but I've left South for now. But if they played tomorrow, uh, I think I'd probably tip Manly. 
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, no, I've put Manly at three. Um, I've got South at, at four, purely because I think Latrell's their best player, yep. most influential player. He's their biggest game-breaker. Um, if Manly and South play tomorrow, I'll tip Manly, so I'm going to power rent Manly ahead of South. Yep, fair enough. And again, completely understand that. I've left Manly at four, but yeah, if I'm pretty stupid considering what I just said, I would tip Manly if they went head-to-head. But number five, I've bumped up the heels after the result on the weekend. Yeah, me too, heels. Yeah, Roosters still sit at six. I know they got beaten, but my God, for the injury suspensions and everything they've dealt with, uh, they've certainly never gone away, that's for sure. Yeah, it's also about who's under them. I've got Roosters at six and yeah. Knights at seven. I think they're the obvious one. Yeah, well, they're locked in there and they're sort of sitting on their own. And in eighth, I've put who I think will be that last team and I've got the Sharks. Yeah, I've got Canberra. I think Canberra. But I, as I said before, I don't, I don't know. No. I just think if Canberra played Cronulla, who would mean I'd probably lean Canberra. Yep, um, I guess we'll find out this Friday, which that, that, that should be a real good game, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, looking forward to that one, but jumping to the reviews of the games from the weekend. Uh, some of these don't need a lot of explanation, but we'll uh, run through them. Knights-Titans, uh, it was a tight game. I didn't think it was the most entertaining game in the world. I was a little bit frustrated watching both sides, in all honesty. Um, but I think the main thing to take out of this one is realistically, it's probably the end of the Titans season barring those results I don't think the results are going to fall their way and even if they do I'm still not super confident um, that they'll get the job done but um, you know I, I guess for them if that is the case it's a season of what could have been because there's been some games there where you've gone in confident after a couple of good results and they've just got blown away um, there's other times where you expected them to be very very poor and that they've turned up um, all in all, it's it's been a real yo-yo of a year for them. And when you've expected good, you've generally got bad. When you've expected bad, you may have got something okay. But um, the other night, they, they just couldn't ice it. No, I think <clears throat> that, that game just sums up the season. Some really, really good stuff. That for the majority, it was inconsistent. Um, there was poor errors. And, yeah, they couldn't ice it at the end of the game. I thought... I did think that was Jerome Fogarty's um, best game of the year. Yeah, I think, again, some good Jamal, signs. Jamal Fogarty, Jerome. Yeah. Jamal Fogarty, sorry, not Jerome Fogarty. I thought... Um, his kicking game, I thought, was outstanding. Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, Tino got caught out once def- uh, defensively, but I think his effort was good. He was busy. Um, you know, for more, again, for some people, it's just a small thing, but... A couple of years ago, he was the under-20s player of the year, which is a pretty hard thing to do. That's It was, you know, there's a big rap if you got that. And he had a bad knee injury. He sort of had limited opportunity. 
he's sort of 18 months, two years removed from that. But I've seen little glimpses the last few weeks of the guy that was the best player in that competition. So I guess the only positive again, but we can't keep doing this every year, is there's some little green shoots there. Um, Jaden Campbell's another one of those guys. There's been improvement for some guys. But next year, I, I just think, you know, that there's going to have to be more consistently and particularly defensively week in, week out. They need to get better in that area. Um, and then, you know, finding out a better way to utilise a David Feeder and, and get value out of him. Like, I know not everything's about money, but you've paid that sort of money. You need to be having him play 80 minutes and be effective. You can't... Yeah, he can't, he can't be sitting on the bench for the first 30 minutes of the game. No. you got Ash Taylor, who's on just as much coin, didn't get selected. So... Yeah. Sexton, like, I would have played Sexton. That's, that's my opinion. I think to play Peachy at six, like... Yeah, I, yeah, it was a head scratcher for me. But I just play Peachy at thirteen. Yeah, I, and look, I, the whole go for Murph thing. I saw a lot of people off. Why isn't Fee starting? You know why? Because for Murph playing way better than. Mm, but also like Proctor. I'm looking at Proctor going. Well, he's not not got that burst anymore. Put him at thirteen, mm. or put him in your middle rotation. Like there's there's things there that I look at and for Holbrook, who I'm a fan of, and just think there's a few things that confuse me, and no deal. No different to what you're saying about Sexton. Like, that's your way forward and foggy and Taylor's not going to be there. So why is he not playing? Mm. Peachy again. They don't even know if they're going to have Peachy there. I think they've made him a low offer. And there's talk that Parramatta and a few others will sniff around him. I'm actually kind of surprised just because of his relationship previously that he hasn't been linked to the Bulldogs and Gus, in all honesty. But, um, yeah, there's just a few small things there that had me a little bit confused. But for Newcastle, I kind of had the same feeling that I've had the last couple of weeks. It's still just a struggle in attack like when they do generate good go forward and apply the ball that Canberra game is the one I'm going to keep referring back to where they just rolled the power game and I know Daniel's not there and they've had a couple of guys sort of in and out with suspension and injury but the basis of their game is punch to that middle get some momentum get the ruck a little bit out of sorts and then you play mostly to that left hand side but not set shape all the time like early ball to Ponga let him decide to run past or Bradman best, etc. At the moment, it's still very just too posted, like block, block shape, lead runners, sideline to sideline. It's just, it's way too predictable. And the few positive plays the other night off Kalen Ponga both come off just playing eyes off football off a good play of the ball. Play five tackle, drifts across, gets a couple of defenders interested, puts Pierce through a hole. The other one sweeps the other side of the ruck, runs the football in the last play. They're hanging off looking for the kick or the pass. As soon as he goes to throw the dummy, one bites in, he slides through. Like both those plays were not telegraphed. Um, I, I think they just need to loosen up a little bit on their attack because at times at the moment, compared to that game the other week where they were just like bang, 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 kick in the front door and then just play off the back of it and they looked outstanding. It's just way overstructured at the moment and sometimes they're doing it off the back of a slow play of the ball. Yeah, okay. So if they're going to have any chance week one, let alone any stage of the finals which I don't see really making a threat past week one and if they do week two I definitely think they'll get knocked over like fuck what have you got to lose you, you looked gone at one point there you've got your players back on board a little bit of caution to the winger you've got a quality team here like Best Ponga Pierce, Clifford's going Braley Daniel Safedi will be back you've got Barnett Watson Frizzell like it's not a bad football side they need to be producing more in particular in attack than what they are right now yeah, I would agree with that. But yeah. you just throw Pierce in a different 
Jersey, I um, you guys win the game. Yeah, comfortably. He was. He just makes such a big difference to them, and I, yeah, I just love him as a player. You know, he, he came up with a forty twenty there at a point there when you cast what thought were on the back foot. Um, he, you know, he ices the field goal when the Titans had a chance to ice one and couldn't get it done. Yeah, he pushes into that he hole. Just, he just has so much value to him, and he runs and he defends. Uh, I just love him as a player. Yeah, and I still think he's playing on a busted leg, but again, still speaks volumes. I don't think they've won when he hasn't played. Or they've barely won when he hasn't played, sorry. But yeah, he's a huge effect on that side. There's no doubt about it. Um, this game, yeah. Raiders-Warriors 28-16. Honestly, how the Warriors did not go to win this in a canter, I, just, I still can't believe what I saw. They were up 16-0, and they had two or three others after where Sullivan dived on one and a pass that went to Grant. There was a few after that. I'm like, honestly, couldn't believe it. I'm like, they've just blown another, like, three or four tries. And I'm sitting here going, this should be, like, 30 nil. And I looked at Dad and I yeah. said exactly what we were talking about before. Like, sometimes I'm like, I just feel just got a bad vibe. I'm like, when, when those sort of things just don't stick, you can feel something's about to happen or turn. And sure enough, Canberra score. Then they score right on half time. And then, like, the, the Warriors don't score another point after the 20th minute, basically, after having all that momentum. And, you know, it came late in the game and it was, it was ugly uh, on Canberra's side of things. But, you know, for the Warriors, again, their finals hopes were on the line in this game as much as Canberra's were. And I was just more disappointed after that real dominant period. And you could see Brown at the end. He was absolutely filthy. Um, I, again, I give them all the credit in the world because they've had so many injuries, suspensions, chopping and changing, living here the whole time. Like it's not an easy circumstance, but I was—I think I was more disappointed for them, because when they started that way, I'm like, I was not expecting this, and I really wanted to go on with it. But um, in the end, that—that that would have been heartbreaking for any Warriors fans, I think. Hundred percent, yeah. It's just again, sums there. you're up to an extent, doesn't it? Mm. Like another close loss in a game that they could have easily won. And if you're a Raiders fan, it's finally a close win because they've been similar. Yeah, great, yeah. But, you know, I think Rapan has been absolutely outstanding in that role since he's moved back there. Real positive signs of life when he's finally got these kids in. Like, Tomoko, he's a powerhouse. He's got some stuff to work on defensively, but he's great. Smith Shields as well, strong carries, busy. Um, you know, Tapine, Hudson on his second little stint after being out of the side for a while. Sutton's very underrated too, I think, his efforts. Um, you know, Whitehead's missed a consistency. Yeah, still, still think you need a bit more out of Papali'i. Don't think he's been quite as good, but um, yeah, for them, it's plain and simple this week. They need to find that spite and that anger and that chip on their shoulder that they had a couple of years ago up against uh, the Roosters and just get the job done. Yeah. For the Warriors, I hope they go out in their shield this week with a bit of razzle-dazzle and just throw caution to the wind. how they want to play and you know what they see as 
important to them heading into the finals. You know, do you, do you value your performance in round 25 heading into the finals? Um, you know, do Canberra approach this situation with nerves or do they just go, well, fuck it, we're going to go out there, we're going to try and blow, blow the doors off these blokes and, um, you know, see what happens after that with Cronulla. But, yeah, is it... It's going to be a really, really interesting week of footy. I know some people sort of said, oh, you know, it's with all the players being rested, I think it's actually going to add more with those guys out because, you know, if the Roosters were full strength and Melbourne were full strength, you'd probably say, well, it's the Gold Coast spot to lose, really, wouldn't you? But, yeah, well, you know, with their injuries and, you know, resting of players, etc., it's, it's opened it right up. I think it's super, super interesting. If the Roosters were to have a couple more than what they had, I don't even think the last game, like the the Dogs Tigers game, is going to be interesting because it's you know the Dogs would be desperate to try and go out on a win. Like maybe there's already chatter around Madge's position. Like there's no way the Tigers are going to want to get rolled in the last game of the year. Like people look at that and go, "That's a nothing game," but there's actually a lot riding riding on that game. Yeah, and and they they put a bit of effort in again on the weekend against the Panthers, which. 100%. Is, is another one for their fans where they get angry going well why because it was Ivan Cleary in a bit of a grudge match but the week before we got towed up by 50 when our season was on the line mm. like picking and choosing like this that would be the biggest slap in the face to their coach and their fans if they rocked up this weekend not saying the Bulldogs aren't capable but if they but if they don't give their all in a game like this against the team that's collecting guaranteed the wooden spoon weeks before this in advance to go off and sign off the season on that note would be the worst possible case for the Tigers 100%. But, uh, yeah, for this one, like I said, Canberra, it's all in their own hands now. If their forward pack can dominate, roll through the middle. Um, still think, again, they're changing the halves to get fully in there. They're probably a little bit better defensively. Um, he's kicking games safe, but I, I didn't see a huge change from him to Sam Williams. But, um, yeah, Warriors, bitterly disappointed. But hopefully they throw a bit of caution to the win this week. And it's, it's looking like a real reality. And they've talked about in the last few weeks that they're possibly going to be here for a third year in a row. So uh, I know there's a lot of time between now and next season, but they've got an off-season to plan, how that's going to work, people going home, staying, setting up base at Redcliffe. It's, uh, it's been a never-ending never battle, I guess, for the Warriors in terms of off the field. Yeah, So 100%. I think they've done well to get themselves even close to being back in finals contention given the circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Roosters Rabbitohs again in terms of football there wasn't a lot to take away we talked about plenty of this drama that occurred before but dominant win wasn't really surprised they had that flat spot in the middle there where the Roosters sort of came after and Reynolds was off the field and Wayne had to reach to get Reynolds back on just to sort of steady things a little bit because they got a little bit off track but um, I, I guess the big thing like we said they won in dominant fashion the Roosters could barely name a side but the, the big blowout of the game is obviously now you've lost Latrell Mitchell, which for the attack, I think more important than anything, Reynolds doesn't do a whole lot in terms of threatening as a ball runner and holding up players on the inside, but the execution and the link play between Walker and Latrell uh, really gives them that one-two punch option because you can't rest on one or the other. If you rest on Walker and you can get deep into the line or you're not accountable on the inside or you turn out, he can run. If he's under pressure, he can give the ball early to Latrell. Latrell can run pass, you've seen he's got better with his catch pass, whether he plays short or he can even throw that long pass without looking or he can just manhandle and bully so I think if anyone's got more pressure 
Like Cody's going to be a little bit more gunned after now because he doesn't have that option so much out the back to take that pressure on him. And people won't sweat on Taft to the level that they've obviously sweat on Luttrell. Uh, but also Reynolds. Like Reynolds isn't the most renowned runner. Um, he's going to need to at least be somewhat of a running threat and do a better job holding up on the inside to give Walker that little bit extra time. Because I'm telling you right now, Taft can catch pass and he can run, but he's just not the physical specimen that Luttrell is. So his run is not going to be anywhere near as threatening. Yeah, he's also inexperienced in first grade. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see their shift players and their attack, and if they can do enough on the inside, which, again, more more out of pressure, particularly to Reynolds, to do a better yeah, job. It'll stay the same. It's going to stay exactly the same. Yeah. Just, well, like, on to this game, I thought after the Shrill incident, man in the bin, 24-12, the Roosters then make an error on play two of that attacking set. I thought that's where the game was won and lost. I think... Southend go down. They scored two tries while Latrell was off the field. That at twenty four twelve, that the Roosters were right in that. Yeah, well, can't disagree with you. And I think again, given everything that they dealt with, um, I still thought they were pretty gallant. In all honesty, uh, it was weird one as well. We've talked about Tor for Graham. He, he technically got a debut. I don't know, not in ideal circumstances, but he got late because of the foul play. Uh, but poor bugger, he's first playing first grade. He's doing doing his job. He followed his centre, and then he tried to turn back out and chase Alex Johnson, and he he dived and missed him unfortunately. <laughs> so, welcome to first grade, getting the fifty point fifty point smash up. You come in after all that heat, and then uh, a nice shift play off the scrum for one of the quickest blokes in the competition to run past you. Yeah, but um, I don't know if he named him. Yeah, that's it. I don't think he named him again this week, but I was hoping to see him or his brother play a game by the end of the year, but uh, heading into finals, different circumstance. But, yeah, I think for them, out of that game, it's just the same thing we've said all year. You've got all these guys getting invaluable experience and, if anything, accelerating the development process for their future, considering how much experience and the players that they've lost. But Manu has been huge in this sort of rebalance in... Tedesco becoming more on the ball and playing short sides and Martin almost playing like a second fullback and roaming a bit more and taking pressure off Walker and Hutchinson's kicking and what he's done. Um, losing Manu is a huge blow. That's going to take a big part of their attack away. You've got Morris who's coming back from an injury and he's you know playing on a bit of a bold tyre as far as his knee's concerned. He's potentially only got two games left if they lose week one. I'm sure he'll be keen to have a, a big performance after, you know, sort of finding his form dip away a little bit mid-year there when he's, after his brother got hurt and also his own physical issues. But, yeah, there's plenty of guys here again. Seeing Nafahu White play minutes and Tukahau Tapua, guys that have only just come from SG Ball and Flag. Like, there's, there's lots of positives if you're a Roosters fan moving in for next year. Yeah. Uh, I will say, awesome to see Mark Nichols score that double had a couple of uh, messages with him and a laugh during the week. I, I knew who the friend of his was going to be that was going to be getting that tattoo as well. But, uh, yeah, for a guy like Mark who's, you know, just worked his ass off, he wouldn't meet a, a nicer bloke and a, and a harder worker from our time at Canberra. He was never the flash player or the superstar, but just always does his work, does his carries, makes his tackles. It's, it's been a long road, but nice to see a good guy like that at this point in time playing not only really, really good, but good minutes in a good team and an opportunity like later on in his career. So uh, I quite enjoyed him seeing him going over the W the other night. 100%. Well, 
moving on from this one, Dragons Cowboys again uh, in terms of competition, nothing there. But probably the one thing I took out of this why the Dragons weren't the greatest defensively. It was nice to see those young guys get that opportunity and show some of that attack. But I wanted to see it a few weeks ago. I, I just think it was really invaluable opportunity for the Dragons to get them in early and build on what is going to be your future with Sloan at one, Amone, like Sullivan playing at nine. Even I'm like, you know, that's that's not his future. He's a seven. Him and Amone have come through playing together. Norman's not going to be there. You could have put Clune, somebody else in that situation. Regardless, um, full credit to him. He had a real dig in the middle, held himself defensively as best he could. And, you know, I just think some small things with those guys and Lomax and some of the younger guys at the back end of the year. If I'm a Dragons fan, it, it's going to take some patience, but depending on the moves they make around them and giving them their opportunities, they've got some real good kids there. Yeah. Yeah, they do, absolutely. And on the Cowboys' side, we said it. This this is a game they're going to definitely try to win because last round against Manly, if they want to come full after all the losses they've had, this is the game they're going to want to win. And sure enough, um, getting Hamiso back into the mix, Torlungi, Felt, Tomalolo back in, in the front row. And, you know, I've really enjoyed watching some of their guys come in and play. Like, again, Jeremiah Nenai, he's taken his opportunity. Um, you know, we've seen Lukey at times. Griffin Neem got another run off the bench. I think same deal for them and the, the situation. There's talk that Peyton's under pressure, um, which I think if you've moved in to hire someone and some of the moves that have been made prior to him, like the Tamalolo contract under a different set of rules for his price tag or homes, or, I think it's a bit insane after only one year to be saying he's under pressure. Like, it, it's going to take a bit of turnover. Like, Did they honestly think it was just going to be, we want results straight away? Yeah, I, I think it's a bit ridiculous, it's but a hard one. yeah, I, you know, another guy I was happy for was Tom Dearden. He's a, the poor bugger hasn't won a game in nineteen or twenty starts because he's come from Brisbane and the bin fire that that was to the Cowboys losing streak. And I think week in week out, if you watch football close enough, you can't question his effort. That's for sure. Hundred percent. He's a tough bastard. He kicks. He chases everything. He holds his own. He runs and challenges the line. Like he's only going to get better as well. He's only young. So, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I guess the main thing out of this one for both of these teams is look at your kids and look to your future. I'll, I'll be interested to see any more moves in the off season in terms of the Cowboys situation. But yeah, there's going to be some turnover again of some veterans. There's been a lot of young guys blooded in terms of what's coming in. It's just, uh, yeah. It's just- just an ordinary game. Yeah, wasn't great. <laughs> there were some nice attacking yeah. plays from some young guys, but yeah, overall it, it meant nothing. It's good to see, good to see Sloan and the, the younger guys going better, but Cowboys as well, they got a lot of young players there, but yeah, like Griffin and Peyton in similar situations, aren't they? First sort of full season, and yeah, the pressure will go on if they're in similar positions this time next year, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm more interested to see now the Cowboys have got Hiku coming in. Which that's fair enough. They don't really have great centre options. Um, or OBs, he, he's a quality player and they probably got him at a, a fair price. But the, the Townsend situation interests me because I know they lost Clifford, but did and Drinkwater are working on that combination and moving forward. Like I know they've got Chad sign up for a few years and he's probably going to work with Tommy, but what, with what they've paid him, he's going to be playing. He's not going to be playing reserve grade. So yeah. I'm more interested in seeing that side of things. I, I would have been more of the idea of if you're bringing him over, let's persist with him, 
Drinkwater, Hamiso, and all these young guys, Robson, Condon, Nanai, like they've got a lot of good young guys there and go, if this is going to be our core, let's do that and try and get the best out of, say, a Tamalolo, a Holmes, and then try and get one or two other veterans in as we clean out and try and build around a, a solid core with all our young guys. Yeah, agree, man. You've got a veteran halfback on a big price tag who's a solid footballer, but I don't think he's going to really change a whole lot there. Um, and yeah, in terms of other moves, they missed out on a few forwards they went for, but uh, yeah, in- interested to see how they go moving forward. 100%. Sharks, Broncos, um, again, I guess the biggest thing you can say is the Broncos have certainly found effort and desire in the back end of their year, but probably the biggest thing that hurt them this game is two sin binnings. They had 20 minutes there where they had 12 on the field. 24-16, they were right in the mix, but um, in the, at the end of the day, if, if you play that time without players on the field, it's always going to be hard to get a result. Very costly, wasn't it? Otherwise, it would have been yeah, a flip of the coin finish, I think. Um, Sharkies, yeah, they, they did the job, got the job done, like they have in many games this year where they've had to really scratch it out and fight hard. And um, The Broncos were good. They've, they've been, you know, great. Not great, but they've been far improved over the last month. So they're, they're now, you know, they, they'll obviously want to finish on a high this weekend and that they're, they're purely going to get charged by the first sort of two to three months of what they do next year. Oh, and, you know, that's definitely. Probably determine Kevin Walters' future and, you know, the future that the organisation takes in mm. the long term. You know, things look really rosy and, um, you know, the roster moves they've made are, are going well. Uh, you know, I don't see any reason why they would change, but, you know, things start off next year in a similar vein to what they've, they've been for the majority of this season Kevy's going to be under some pressure you think well I've already heard that they've started to talk about adding another year on which I, I just don't agree with and it's got nothing to do with anything we spoke about previously I just think if you're like we said you're working at turning it over you're making some moves you've got Donahue you've got Iken but realistically if you're bringing in a Reynolds a Catewell and a couple of guys next year I'd still want to say see half the season and how he goes with a few of those guys in there and the, the younger players to say, yep, this is definitely the coach. Forget all the other stuff. This is the coach for us to turn over the roster with, have these kids with and move forward with. Because it's not just about, you know, getting back to being competitive and getting in the eight. It's the Brisbane Broncos. The Brisbane Broncos will be looking to build this back into a premiership side in the long term. And I know that's not going to happen next year, but you need to have the right person in the driver's seat. So... I'm not saying he can't coach at the NRL level, but is he going to meet the standards of what they're looking for long-term? So I wouldn't be handing another 12 months. I don't think he can can make that call until he's got the cattle there that are going to enable him to be able to do that. I'm not sure they've got that there. No, but to see signs of good coaching and improvement. I wouldn't be rushing to give him another year. No. Because I don't think there's any club out there trying to poach him away. No, that's the point I'm making. But, yeah, I... I do think if things start off well next season, I'd, I'd happily extend it for you. Yeah, and that's the other thing. I, and it wouldn't be a case of, like, we'll fire him next year, mid-year, anything like that. He'll get the full season. But I just I just wouldn't be jumping the gun to put myself in a position where I'm locked in. That's all. Yeah, great. Uh, finally got to see Brendan Piakura and the poor bugger hits the half late and gets Sinbin in his debut. So it wasn't the longest debut in the world. <laughs> Been waiting a long time to see him play, and now he can't play the last round either. But, uh, you know, Flegler, same deal as well. Just some small things in his game. There's been some improvement the back half of the year, and after a 
you know, he, he's rep experience, but he's just got to clean clean that up, you know. For the Sharks, some good signs from Moylan the last couple of weeks, coming up with some plays. I think Trindle's really started to show the quality and why he was so highly sought after and thought of in his junior football. Um, we know Kennedy's improvement over the years has been absolutely outstanding. Metcalf getting some opportunities, but yeah, their, their destiny's in their own hands, plain and simple, this week. Um, regardless of what Melbourne's got on the field, they need to get you know themselves sorted and put their best foot forward if they want to guarantee themselves that spot. And like we said, they're basically going to know after Thursday night what the situation is, regardless of the Titans. Yeah, they've just got to assume the Titans are going to win. Yeah, that's it. And, uh, moving on. Storm Para, this one, they're absolutely outstanding. 22-10. And like we said, uh, particularly play 1-2 for me, both sides of the ball. Huge difference. They've just lacked energy. For the last few weeks, they've been flat. Their middle has been poor. Their halves, their kicking, shift for the sake of shifting. They haven't been able to generate any momentum. Second phase, offloads, none of that. The other night was just all the small stuff, all the free things, all the effort areas. But in particular, their kick and chase and their play one-two, they absolutely killed Melbourne. They were putting up bombs. They were making everything a contest. They were hitting them. Balls were bouncing. um, And they were winning those two plays, which were really putting Melbourne on the back foot. They weren't able to shift or attack as much as they like to early in their sets or coming out of yardage and then on the flip side of it they started their sets outstanding Ferguson had a huge game Dunster had one of his better games like they just you know seen Brown back on that edge and the way he was on the ball and Moses actually playing on the ball and being a bit more dominant um, and then their three middles really set the platform for everything Papali E Paul um, and Brown in particular out of those guys I think Brown's had a real bad month or so and I've just I don't know, he almost looks rattled. I hadn't seen that aggression, seen some poor drops and some poor moments where he almost looks stunned at himself with what's going on, but he certainly found his fire again the other night. Yeah, he was good, but Melbourne, eight and combined errors penalties, it just, it just kills you, absolutely kills you. I think they had less possessions, completions were really, really low. It's just not winning footy and it's not their style of footy. No, nah, I think more frustrating, he said that afterwards, all that stuff builds pressure on themselves as well as what Para was doing. But I was more frustrated when they got in good ball because they did bust them open eight or nine times. They generated enough line breaks, but they had zero patience. They didn't try to build pressure or force repeat sets. They constantly wanted to shift left. And they also didn't change their point of attack. So they were getting jammed on that edge. They were under pressure constantly, or they were running out of room because of inside cover and not engaging anyone. They didn't try to drop somebody under or change the shape whatsoever. It was just the same thing over and over again. And um, line breaks were seven, seven four to Melbourne. Yeah, I, I thought the only person out of the spine that was really effective was Hughes. Hughes came up with some really good plays. Um, Nico comes on late, comes up with a big play, but like all in all, you know, Papenhausen had those line break assists, but they weren't really, you know, digging in the line or creating or generating numbers. It was a couple of times where Parra were infield and he's just tipped it onto. Lumi Lumi, who, who found a bit of space, but overall, uh, yeah, like Munster had lots of runs, but was he overly effective? No, I, I, I really thought Hughes out of I all of them. Was... Would have made that the Nico Hines change at half time, to be fair. Mm, like even Harry, Harry had a real bad night, overplayed his hand. He looked devastated and frustrated when he came off. He, he, yeah, it wasn't a great game. No, it was 
pretty ordinary from a, a Melbourne perspective. Mm. Um, but Parra, Parra were excellent, as I said before, dominated the middle, played direct, kicked well, were disciplined, and just did all those little free things that we're talking about that Melbourne didn't. And I hope they bring that because, again, we've been talking all year like a two-horse race. With what's happened with South, with Manly turning into what they have after the first month or so, we wouldn't have picked that. If Parramatta have found a bit of spark here, like hopefully we do have four or five teams that are genuinely up for it or we could see an upset or something different because for the most part of the year, we've just been sitting here going, Panther Storm, Panther Storm. It's not going to be any different. Yeah, so. yeah I'm not convinced. I, I don't think... No, I'm not saying I'm convinced. But... The top four is going to hurt them. Yeah, you know, that's that's really going to hurt them. But um, yeah, I'm not saying that they can't go on a four-game streak. But mm. history just tells you, you're far more, you know, unlikely to do it from there. Yeah, and uh, like we said, Addo Carr's injury. It's going to be an interesting one to see. They reckon he's potentially not going to be ready for week one of the finals. The situation, like we spoke about earlier, in terms of what they do there, what they do with their fullback situation, their bench. Um, and then, yeah, luckily for them, Harry Grant, that, that leg kind of trip or rap, it didn't look great. Obviously, the result wasn't terrible, but you're playing a dangerous game uh, with what we've seen throughout the rounds and throughout your time when you get into a situation like that. The fact he had no prior charges has probably put him in a good spot. Brandon Smith, I thought, was just an unlucky hit where you come over and you sort of clip someone. I know Murata had a busted mouth and was bleeding, but I didn't think that one, you know, that's one of those ones that unfortunately happens at times. And like Jesse Bromwich's crusher, though, that was definitely, you know, you can't do that. Yeah, the Bromwich crusher was ordinary. Yeah. yeah. Was an accident. So I, great one, didn't look good. Smith with loading, I thought may have been in trouble, but I think they gave him a fine. So again, he can consider himself a little lucky because he's not a clean skin, but yeah, Harry's one, I think purely... The result, which again doesn't set, you shouldn't be basing things off a result, but the fact that it didn't lead to an injury and he has no prize, but yeah, it's a dangerous game when you wrap someone's leg like that and drop. Yeah, it didn't look really ordinary. Yeah, uh, dogs manly again. Uh, man, it was frustrating. Like even Penrith, I was hoping that Penrith and Manly would come out red hot. Uh, all the big sides were pretty ordinary to be honest over the weekend. Like South, obviously. Yeah, they had their rest before the rest. Yeah, towed up the roosters, but it still wasn't a great game. But yeah, in these games, like Penrith, Manly, Manly blew so many opportunities and was so scrappy. Uh, Bulldogs, full credit to them, did a really good job. Good on the outside. They cut Tom off a lot of times. I, I, I'll say one thing for Manly in the second half, unlike what I was just talking about, Melbourne, they sort of changed the point of attack. Instead of just trying to get left, which they did plenty, and going through the hands or trying to beat him on the outside, they dropped Tom back under a few times and got him against the grain and um, you know they, they did a few small things there but yeah by, by no means was that a super impressive performance and they left plenty of points on the table and Barrett was uh, fairly aggrieved with that call which obviously led to a bit of a swing in momentum I, I thought Tom dropped that ball to be honest when he swapped hands and tried to put it it was no try for every day of the week and then the hair pull penalty goal I know, I know we've criticised him in weeks gone by for you know always going with the refs and um, you know, complaining after games, but I thought he had every right after this one. This, there were some just horrendous calls for the doggies in this one. Mm. Uh, the hair pull one, we've seen multiple get charged, but yeah, in slow mo, it looked a lot worse than what it really was. If you got hair halfway down your back, it's pretty hard when you're trying to grab a guy like Martin to power to not end up, unfortunately, in some circumstances, uh, with a handful of yeah, it. But please. yeah, they got a free interchange and a penalty goal like that, so that was a pretty big moment, that's for sure. Yeah. 
ridiculous. Uh, it's hard to take a lot out of this, like you said. For, for Manly, it's going to be more week one. I'll, I'll be interested to see this week if they go in full strength. You know, they'll be looking... I also thought the LOA decision to send in him was a bit heavy as well. Mm, I don't know. I, I, I thought he was looking at his target. I didn't think it was as accidental as it seemed. Uh, uh, wasn't a smart play, that's for sure. It wasn't a smart play, no. I'm not, I'm not defending him. I just sort of thought, nah. like, is that a yeah, Overall, yeah. yeah. If you leave yourself up to interpretation, then you, yeah, you're open to it. Old Jason Saab didn't have the happiest of days. He dropped one with the yeah, line open, dropped another one that was thrown at him. Had a couple go begging. Um, I think Garrick a couple of times, first try, got held up. Had a couple of times he cut back in field or couldn't quite get there. So just wasn't as slick as what we're used to seeing. But I'm sure this week they'll be looking to get any of the cobwebs out before they head into a big clash week one, either against the Storm or the Panthers. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for the doggies, like we said, the hits kept on coming, and Matt Dury, uh, ACL, one game before the season ends, and I think he's off contract. I didn't see his name in that list of players that got released today, so maybe they give him another year or put him on a development contract. But uh, I think he's, I think he's contracted. I think still contracted, or I, I thought he might have been off. Yeah, he spent like he spent obviously the majority of his time prior to this that last cup being called off with us, so. Um, I'm pretty sure he's on contract for next year. Yeah, well, in that situation, sometimes. But I, 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 mate, I could be totally, I could be totally wrong. Oh, I'm not. I, I haven't had a look, but yeah, I thought he might have been off. But for his, for his sake, I hope if that is the case, um, he can maybe at least get a development contract and do his rehab. Um, it's always a hard situation when something like that happens with a game or two left. Yeah. And local junior, like again, I'm not saying that's an excuse to keep him, but in their current situation, you'd think you'd keep a couple of guys around on minimum wage or close to, given the cap pressure they're under. He's an Australian schoolboy, he's come through their system, um, he's still only young. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, finishing off, Panthers Tigers, 30 to 16 again. Uh, wasn't the most impressive performance from Penrith. The way they started, uh, you know, just. Not quite as slick this week. Nath, obviously, even himself, after a couple of really good games, spit off with his kicking game, bit off with their timing. You know, some of the shift plays, they weren't engaging as much. They tried to get Brian in, back off his injury a few times. They didn't really draw and do as much work on the inside, which led to him obviously not getting there a couple of times. And uh, in the end, it was just a few simple things like pun guys power over and, uh, you know, just some of that stuff in their game which was obviously the difference and just some individual brilliance but by no means again uh, was it a super impressive performance but said it before I'll say it again Penrith's in a different spot because they were so heavily affected by origin resting injuries and suspensions during that period they're sort of playing their way into the finals so that was a little bit rusty but next week for them will be you know their real focal point against Parramatta and looking to sharpen up before they head into week one yeah exactly They'll, um, they'll really try and sharpen the swords this weekend, I'd imagine. Mm. Awesome to see Fish back and Toto 295 metres after like five weeks off with ankle surgery. That's insanity. Yeah. He's an absolute beast in yardage. Very, very important and underrated player for the Panthers. Oh, huge. That yardage works understated massively. But, mm. yeah, you, you'll see improvement. Pungai, great to see that impact off the bench. And for them now... I'll be interested to see if they keep moving forward with the Martin starting with Catewell and bringing Kikau on with Pungai like they did. Um, they also rolled May back into the team, you know, with the way their bench is made up. 
They've got versatility, I guess, with Sorensen, Pungai, Kikau, Martin, all those guys can play middle or edge. You've got May there, essentially, is just there to cover, you know, halves, nine, any sort of spot you want. But, yeah, I, I think Penrith pretty much rolled out what would be close to their strongest side on the weekend. And I think uh, they'll really look to send the message this week. But for the Tigers, it's more one of those ones, like I said before, where you're more frustrated going, well, where was this sort of effort or intent the week before? Our season was on the line. Yeah. But we've got the Ivan Beef and... The game in the early near of the Panthers. It's easier to play when you know your season's over. Oh, that too, but also the emotion side of things. It's like, but yeah, last week should have had plenty of emotion and, and desire about like your season was on the line. No, I, I agree. So I agree, but what I'm, what I'm, I'm just trying to make the point, like that's what losing organisations do. Mm. They come up with their better performances when there's nothing on the line. And that's what they are. Like at the moment, they're a losing organisation, aspiring to be a winning organisation. So they, they need to transfer those types of performances into the week to week, and they'll find themselves in far better positions. Yeah, well, like you said, lots of talk still around Madge, and I think Tiger Town's probably given a lot of people a bit more of an inside to Madge. Like we've said, he's definitely not the problem, that's for sure. There's, there's a lot of problems. No. A lot of problems. We've had a lot, we've had a, a lot to do with him in his early time there and he was doing really good things at the Tigers mm. there's a lot more problems with that club than the coach and another coach coming in and going to that whole dishwasher is not going to fix the problem but yeah for them like we said this week's huge in terms of I guess fans and the you know the ending of their season when you're playing a bona fide wooden spoon side um, after what you've dished up in some of these other games that you'd want to be going out with a win and um, you know there's been some Positives in the back end, I guess. The, the development of Yuta Kamanu off the back of his origin experience. Seeing guys like Bloor get more game time. Jock obviously got some time on the weekend. and It's going to have to be the case moving forward with Dewey now especially injured. And, um, Walter's moving on, so the bit of their half depth and their options there is gone. But yeah, I, I think if you're a Tigers fan, if they lost this weekend coming, you're going to be absolutely filthy. 100%. So, yeah. But there you go. That wraps us up from the reviews from the weekend. Let's jump in now and do some tips and a bit of betting brought to you by bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet with any bookie, there's no one better than bluebet.com, Australia's true blue bookie. Jump on the website or download the app today. And, uh, looking at these lineups, Thursday night, obviously, that huge game between the Raiders and the Roosters. The Roosters... Get a couple of players back, much needed, and the Raiders, well, simple win and put themselves in a position to potentially be playing finals football if Cronulla lose. And they've got Charles Nickel Clogstat now back at fullback. Rapana goes back to the wing. Smith Shields, Chris Tomoko, that new young brigade in their back line remain. Frawley partners Jackie Whiten in the halves again. Ford pack is pretty much intact, except Soliola now comes in to start at lock. Uh, and Gula, Sutton, Horsberg and Harvey on the bench on the side of things for the Roosters Ben Thomas that concussion he's out Fletcher Baker got suspended Amanu obviously out but some big ins Kieran comes back um, Jarabaria Hargraves massive in Josh Morris and Angus Crichton after a couple of weeks of being suspended so strengthens their forward pack having Jared Toki Crichton and Tupanua together and, and Liu and then their bench they've been able to push Egan back which helps uh, and Tuku Tapuha gets another run Maskey holds his spot Walker there for a potential late impact 
it's a hard one to tip, I think, this one. Yeah, I'll tip Canberra. Yeah. Hopefully I'll put the mocks on. I'm going to tip Canberra as well. Um, again, even with those guys come back in, like Morris has barely played any football. Um, they're still a bit lighter on the bench. And like we said, the Roosters have got everything to play for. So if, if they really... Oh, sorry, the Raiders have got everything to play for. It's been... Actually, no, I'm, I'm flipping. I'm going to go Roosters. All right. Well, I'll stick with the Raiders, but not with a lot of confidence. Um, but yeah, everything's to play for. With everything that's happened this year, like we said, and a lot of it inflicted with their own four walls, um, this would be a huge result given all the drama they've had. So uh, I'm, I'm going to back them to get the old emotional train going and be a bit spiteful and have that chip on the shoulder and turn up for this one. But yeah, wouldn't be shocked if the Roosters won, that's for sure. Yeah. And the odds with bluebet.com.au, the Raiders are slight outsiders, $2.10. The Roosters, $1.73 favourite, and minus 2.5 is the line in that game. Storm, Sharkies is the early game. And again, potentially deciding a hit spot and the minor premiership. So there's still a bit on the line there in terms of uh, this game and some implications for finals and who plays who. On the Shark side of things, they've been able to uh, keep basically the same 17, but Matty Moylan starts for the first time. Metcalf moves back to the bench. That's the only change there. For the Storm, swag of changes like we talked about. Bromwich's suspension, Adokar being injured. George Jennings comes back in. Nelson comes back in. Tui gets another start after missing some football, but Welch, Munster, etc. There's a lot of guys there. Kenny, Felice, uh, all not playing, so whole new look side really for them they've got the spine intact Smith's back at nine Harry off the bench Nico's in the halves with Hughes Pappenhausen gets another run but yeah Eric Meyer Seve George Penne starting on an edge with Lewis Finucane at lock uh, Maroa Grant Jack's on the bench and they've got like I said the option with their reserves there to potentially change the halves late if he wants to rest so uh, I don't know if that's something they'll do but given a little bit of uncertainty and not knowing what they're going to do. Similar deal, I'm going to tip Cronulla, not with a lot of confidence, but more on the fact that I think that Melbourne may potentially pull a few more players out of that 21. Yeah, I'm going Storm, mate. You don't often see them lose two in a row. And even if they do pull, like, they've got a good depth in all positions, so I think those blokes will give a good account of themselves. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's really hard to tip. I will say, and again, from a betting perspective, with bluebet.com.au, I don't mind the start, and I might take a little bit more, but uh, the Sharks are $3.25 outsiders, all to play for. The Storm, $1.34, minus 10.5 is the line at the moment. I, I could probably push that at 18.5 or 12.5 and maybe multi that with something, to be honest. Uh, Parrot Panthers is the late game on Friday night, usually a bit of a blockbuster, and I'm still there, there'll be plenty of spite still, but... Yeah, fair few changes on the Parramatta side of things. Clint Gutherson rested. Paulo, Nia Corre, Moses, Wanga Blake, just a couple of guys they've got out. Paulo, uh, you know, suspended only for a game, but I'm sure he would have rested him, anyone that's played a lot of football this year. But Hayes Perham comes in to play fullback. Dunster's still on the wing with Ferguson. Opacek and Oldfield come into the centres now. The halves are now Will Smith and Jacob Arthur. Oregon Kafusi starts front row with Makaisi Makatoa, Hipgrave, Cartwright, Ray Stone, back row, and on the bench, Sam Lozu on debut. Another one of the Australian schoolboys out of that group that they had, along with Sean Russell. 
Um, they're both on the bench, so two outside backs. Kai Rodwell, long time coming, a debut for him, and Sean Lane. And in the reserves, he's got Penasani, Papalii, and both the Browns. But again, I think he's just naming them because he has to obviously make a 21. But for Penrith, as we said, they're still building off the back of all their suspensions, injuries, and the origin period. Um, they've named the same 17 as last week, except Spencer Lanew, after an ankle injury, he's been listed back amongst the reserves. So, you know, he, he might be someone they look at for the bench. But with Sorensen, Pangai, Liam Martin at this point in time, unless they're going to go all forwards on the bench, I think it's going to be pretty hard to see uh, Lanew pushing his way back in. This team that they're coming up against uh, and the way he's named it to rest the majority of his team, you'd expect Penrith to definitely want to sharpen their swords here, so I'm expecting a a big win. Penny Panthers. Yeah, and no surprise with the team that's been named with bluebet.com.au. Eels, $11. $1.04 for the Panthers, minus 27.5 is the line. And and again, it's not very often you have two outside backs just named on the bench. So he's literally, like we said, throwing, throwing in anyone he can to get a 17 and get a rest in before trying to attack finals football. Knights-Broncos to finish off the season. The Knights are now locked in. The Broncos looking to finish with a bang. Uh, Pierre Cora, obviously, suspended. Flegler, suspended as well. Jordan Rickey's good to go after a late withdrawal last week. And TC Rabati as well. Uh, and Corey Pakes and David Mead are new faces on the interchange bench as well as Reese Kennedy. Uh, and for the Knights, David Clamber returns from suspension. Jacob Safidi's being rested. Jaden Braley and Mitch Barnett are also getting a rest this week. And Chris Randall and Brody Jones take their positions. Heimel Hunt's also being rested and Stafford Towers getting a crack on the wing. And Phoenix Crossland and Jack Johns are the new faces on the bench. So knowing that their place is locked in, similar deal. Anyone that's got a niggle or any sort of issues or needs a rest, Clearly, they're planning to do that. Um, still Pierce, Clifford, Ponga, etc. in there. So what do you reckon about this one? I think Knights. You know, I know they're locked in, but they're not going to want to have a little bleep here. I expect Brisbane now to really challenge them and play, you know, a little bit loosey-goosey, a little bit carefree and throw caution to win because they're obviously going to finish the season on a high. So I think this will be a really good game of footy. Yeah. Brisbane can play up to... Um, Newcastle's level if Newcastle played to a similar level what they did against the Titans Brisbane are right in it and they can win it so but I'll go Newcastle I don't think they'll win it but the finals on the back of the loss I'm going to go the upset I'm going to go the Broncos I think I think the Broncos last week so yeah they were close last time obviously the effort's been there I know it's you know last game so it's potential to go the other way but the fact that you're missing Barnett and both the Safidis, I think that's huge for their forward pack. Um, the bench has got Josh King and Gerard Momosi is only playing his third game and Jack Johns is a light back row. So that rotation there and what they've got starting, it's going to be big, big pressure on Clemmer and Frizzell to deliver. Um, but yeah, with Haas, Ricky, these sort of guys and Milford's last game in a Broncos jersey, he's been good the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm sure he'll want to finish with a bang and They've been having a red-hot crack, so, yeah, for their last run, I will back them in to try and uh, head into Mad Monday with a bit of a smile on their face. There you go. So the outsiders with bluebet.com.au, $2.50, $1.53 for the night. Still with those players out, and minus 5.5 is the line there. And uh, moving on, Cowboys, Manly. You know, this one, the Cowboys, Ruben Cotter, Paul Bugger, I'm a big fan of Ruben Cotter. 
Uh, only got back last week, but out again with a shoulder complaint. Cohen Hess makes a return to the lineup with Tamalo swapping into the 13 for him to go into the 8. Lachlan Burr also returns, but only to the extended bench. And for Des Hasler, only minor changes, but looking, like I said, like he wants to run his best side. Sean Kepi returns and Paseca on the bench, relegating Sipley and Sirinan, who have both been doing a job. Aloe gets another start at prop um, after last week, but this essentially, looking at it, is their best lineup. Tom, Saab, Parker, Harper, Garrick, Foreign Cherry Evans, Aloe, Croker, Tapao, Olek, Artu, Schuster, Jake, and then the bench, Walker is your utility. Lawton, who plays nine, but he's also used him as like a roaming forward. Kepi and Paseca as your middles. Uh, there was a lot of talk that, you know, some people think that Suley internally in that group should be playing over Parker. I could see pros and cons both ways. Parker, more sound defensively, but probably not as impactful in attack. Suley, yardage-wise and carry-wise, you know, all the ability and power in the world. But um, at the end of the day, it's up to the coach. And he obviously feels Parker gives him a better chance, probably defensively. So I'm assuming that's probably more the reason there. But, um, yeah, to leave out Siren and... Sipley, who's done a good job, and, and Suley, you know, they, they've, they've really got themselves in a strong position compared to where they started the year. 100%. Uh, and if, I don't know, again, like I said, there's minimal room for movement in terms of what they've got named in their extended squad and their starting lineup. If they guarantee the top four, would they pull potentially, say, Daly or Tom or anyone at all? I don't know. Maybe he wants to just go in full of running and just blow them off the park. So I, I'm going to side that that's more the, the way things are going and definitely tip Manly Manly um, edge defence at times and the way their halves defend like did and at least jumps in front all the times drink water can be found wanting uh, I think in particular drink water he, he's going to see plenty of traffic 100% yeah he's going to um, have some sore shoulders I would imagine hmm and the odds for this one, heavy outsiders are the Cowboys with bluebet.com.au. They're $9, a dollar or a six for Manly, and minus 23 and a half is the line there. South versus the Dragons, and no surprise here again, taking the opportunity to rest some players. Blake Taff is going to be at one. Milne comes in on the wing with Johnston out, Paulo on the other side. Braden Burns replaces Gagai. Cable Graham stays in. Benji. Marshall partners debutant Lachlan Ilias, who's touted as potentially their future halfback, so we get a look at him. Totola in the front row with Patrick Mago. Peter Mamazelos gets another game with Cook rested as well. The back row, Sua, Host, and Mark Nichols, also named captain this week, so that's a huge honour. Uh, and the bench, Dean Hawkins as a utility, I guess. Tautau Moga, Jed Cartwright, and Davey Moali, the young front row, who's... Uh, had a bit of a rise, and again, their reserves are all their big names who definitely won't be playing in Arrow, Murray, Johnston, and Walker. But yeah, you've got Reynolds, Cook, Gagai, Luttrell is obviously suspended, Liam Knight suspended, Tom Burgess rested, Cody Johnston. Uh, you know, they're not moving anywhere. It's been a big season. W- why not? And again, like I heard a lot of people going, oh, I've got no interest in this last round. Th- these are things that I am interested in. I, I want to see Ilias play. I'm very interested to watch him play. So, uh, on the Dragon side of things, they've stuck with the same lineup basically as last week, besides Gerard Beale coming in to replace Zach Lomax, who's out. And uh, Puasa Farmasuli comes on the bench with Jackson Ford going to the reserve. So uh, they were talking about getting Ben Hunt 
to play if he was available or he was keen to play. I just think with the sort of money he's on and the fact it's just a nothing game, there's no fucking way you were going to let Ben Hunt play, surely. You know what? Even with the lineups as they are, I'm, I'm going to tip South. I don't know. I don't know idea. I'm just going to go South. Yeah, I'm going to go South. Dragons lose. Um, this this is probably a, a a great matchup in terms of Sloan and Amona and that to play against some younger, more experienced guys themselves. But yeah, I, I still think um, you know there's enough there, hopefully, to get the job done. The bench is a little bit light, but yeah, on the flip side of that, uh, yeah. Hopefully, see a couple of these kids shine and some of the next generation coming through. But yeah, not not a lot of confidence. But I'll tip South. Yeah, me too. And for the Dragons, slight outsiders at two hundred five with BlueBet.com.au. South slight favourites, dollar seventy seven. It's definitely not a game I bet on. That's for sure. And uh, minus two and a half is the line. And uh, to round us out on Sunday, you've got the Titans up against the Warriors. Their fate will be in their hands and decided beforehand, but potentially for eighth spot if results go their way. Um, and in terms of changes, Kevin Proctor, who's been battling an AC joint, he's been named, but Ash Taylor misses out despite uh, the club saying he responded well to a cortisone injection and he was a chance of selection. But Peachy stays at six again, Sexton's in the reserves. Fafita's named on the bench again. Um, you know, interesting to see what happens there. And the only change to last week is Mofo Tuaka has been promoted to start at prop with Tino going back to lock and McIntyre to the bench and for the Warriors. Chad Townsend, he's been playing on that shoulder, but he's out. Sean O'Sullivan goes to seven. Tavita Harris is back from a foot injury at six. Matt Lodge beat his charge at the judiciary, so he's free to play. Tanoa Brown comes onto the bench in the place of Bunty Afoa. He beat the charge. Uh, Bunty's out injured with a hamstring. And uh, Jazz Tafunga stays on the extended bench. So this is hard because it, I, I said if, if it was for the finals, I'd back the Titans in, but it's not. And I don't think it's going to be. And I think the Warriors. I think the Warriors could come out a bit flat, but at the same time, I think they'll want to finish with the bang. So I'm going to go the Warriors. I'll go Titans. But yeah, I can certainly see the Warriors winning. I think this is going to be a loose game, that's for sure. 2pm on a Sunday afternoon if the weather's good. Could be 56-54. Could be a complete lack of defence and a lot of offence, I think. And uh, I think I might have a stab at these odds, or at least to start again. The Warriors, 375 with bluebet.com.au. The Titans, $1.27, I think, again. This price may be based off the fact that there's a possibility. Obviously, they're playing for a final spot, but we won't know until the day. Minus 11.5 is the line. And uh, the last game of the round, Tigers-Bulldogs. Tigers on their side of things. Uh, Kelma Tuolagi returns to the side. He takes safe after place on the bench with Tuki Simpkins uh, remaining on the extended bench. And uh, Safarth just back from an injury. He's out again. For the Bulldogs, Corey Riddell returns from suspension. He takes the spot in the back row, vacated by Matt Dory, who suffered that unfortunate ACL injury. Dylan Napa's back from his band, but he's only on the extended bench, so he may not get a chance to play one last game uh, for the Bulldogs. But we'll wait and see what happens there. And Jake Avarillo, he's dropped out of last week's side with the foot injury. As a result, Brandon Wakeham keeps that six jersey, and Sione Katoa gets another start at dummy half. Chris Smith uh, is also 
in that 21. Well, actually, no, he's been pushed out of the 21. So, yeah. Uh, I'm going to tip the Tigers again, not with a whole lot of confidence, but I think the Bulldogs will have a red hot crack again. It's a hard one. It's a hard one for the Bulldogs, that's for sure. Uh, you know, ran, run out of some yeah. troops and suspensions and issues at the back end of the year here, but um, again, I think invaluable in some ways to be able to get guys like Beyond Diodo, some football, and Patolo's playing well before I'm, I'm sure they expected him to. It's been a great year for Shot. I think he's one real shining light for him. He's uh, he's been solid, that's for sure. Uh, the odds with this one with bluebet.com.au the Tigers $1.44 favourites the Dogs two seventy five, seven and a half is the line so there you go the last round of the regular season I was, we had it on the page before and I posted some people like I'm not going to watch any of these games well I don't know about you but we're in lockdown there's fuck all else to do I'll be watching every last game of this full round because after this it's going to be slim picking so I'm going to enjoy every game of football regardless of who's playing <laughs> And uh, charity bet. Hopefully, we can come up with something. No win on the weekend. We had Toto for a double. He uh, he got over a couple of times, but only finished with a one. So we're sitting just under seven hundred dollars still. So we've got to find a winner. We have to. We've got to crack the thousand, surely. We will. We'll get there. We will, son. But there you go. That's another week done and dusted. Not many shows left, Boxhead, but uh, for everybody out there. No, we're in the home straight. Thanks for your continued support. And uh, again, if you need someone to talk to, you want to talk some footy, you got any questions, there's a discussion group, inboxes. If you're still a bit stir-crazy in lockdown, we're here. We don't always respond straight away because we're still working and got stuff going on, but we'll always get back to you. And uh, again, I hope everyone's doing well, staying safe and they're healthy and happy. And um, yeah, thank God we still got the football. Oh, yes. But for now, thank you, Penrith Solar Center. Thank you, bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet with anyone, do it with bluebet.com. Go to the website today, download the app, and uh, Boxhead, I'll talk to you next week, mate. We'll be talking about finals football. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to it. But for now, everybody, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where you, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.